Welcome to the Arms Race, the podcast where we try to determine which action star has the highest body count in movie history. I'm Mike Olson. And I'm Kevin Keene, and today we're discussing First Blood, released by Orion Pictures on October 22nd, 1982, starring Sylvester Stallone, Richard Crenna, Brian Dennehy, Bill McKinney, Jack Sterrett, Michael Talbot, Chris Mulkey, and David Caruso. Written by Michael Kozal and William Sackheim and Sylvester Stallone. Based on the novel by David Morell, directed by Ted Kocheff. And Ted Kocheff, of course, went on to direct Weekend at Bernie's. Ah. Can we <laughs> not, make not two, though? Can we make that a bonus episode? <laughs> It'd be a stretch, but. Uh, it would be quite a stretch. There's definitely one body in that body count. There is, and I know this isn't Weekend at Bernie's. I have a soft spot for Weekend at Bernie's. I thought only two, though. See, I, I, have, I have a soft spot for both movies. Okay, I see. I feel like we have bonded over our shared love for Weekend at Bernie's 2. There's but a lot The to first l- one I'm not as into, to be honest with you. All right, fair enough. The first one has no voodoo magic. It's so not. I don't, it's I'm not, not interested. As, it's not as absurd. It's still incredibly stupid, but. <laughs> yeah, but I think the second one knows it's stupid, and the first one doesn't know it's stupid. No, the first no one, offense to Ted Kochev. The, the first one is trying to be a somewhat, not serious movie, but takes itself more seriously clearly than we can. Yeah, well, I think that, that's actually relevant to something I want to talk about here. But right. before I get started, since you're kind of, you're less familiar with the Rambo franchise in general. Absolutely. Uh, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. You, you've seen this one before, but how? A long time ago, and I'll, I'll be honest, it was like seeing it for the first time because I, I didn't really remember it. Really? Okay. And particularly, I'm not sure that uh, Rambo deserves the reputation uh, on the body count based on First Blood. I realize <laughs> Wait, as the just, series goes on, it changes. Wait. But no, I was I was surprised. I had forgotten that there really isn't isn't much blood in First Blood. Yeah, I, I feel like First Blood is one of those like movie trivia things where. It's kind of like the first Friday the 13th. It's like, well, did you know that Jason Voorhees doesn't kill anyone in the first Friday the 13th? It's like, it's one of those trivia things of like, oh, did you know that Rambo doesn't actually kill anyone in First Blood? Obviously, it has very different humble beginnings from where things went. I, you know, you just know through osmosis, I'm sure, oh, kind of this, yeah. what to expect from the future of this yeah. franchise. But, uh, I mean, did you like it, though? I mean, I, I, just, I, I think this is going to be really fascinating to see your reaction to this franchise. So I just want to get your opinion first. Well, I think what impressed me the most i think the performances are probably the best part of this movie i'm getting ahead of myself but it's plot thin to say the least yeah well it's very straightforward but for you know for i think the budget and kind of what the movie is i liked it i enjoyed it i don't think it's like one of the best action movies of all time that's for sure okay it sounds like maybe i like it a little more than you but i also have some misgivings about it and i think that it explains a lot about our podcast and kind of why maybe we're having a hard time making that transition to Stallone <laughs> because I think it's obvious if you listen to any of our old bad puns and machine guns episodes, we like a little campy tongue in cheek aspect to Absolutely. our action movies. Absolutely. I don't think there's a single laugh Ooh, in first blood. That's a great question. Intentional or unintentional. Not a single laugh. And it's obviously not trying to be funny. You know, it's pretty serious subject matter when it comes down to it. But I'm sorry. I'm just like sitting here thinking. Yeah, there's not one. I don't think that there is. No. And it's not it's not as if it failed. It's like it's it's not trying to be funny. So it's not like you can judge it based on that. It wants to be a very serious movie. But even in the like most darkest subject matters, most movies will at least try to leaven it a little bit. A little bit. Right. Lighten it up. Unless unless it's going for that tone and it's trying to contend for an Oscar, right? That, but that's a different movie than the action genre. Even really Oscar-baity, depressing movies, even they'll have a, a laugh Yeah, I guess you're right. Usually. I don't want to like go to the darkest, darkest thing, but even you know, like Saving Private Ryan or something has got, yeah, no, got a couple do. of laughs. No, they it? do, because they, I mean, they pick on... Um, 
Betty Boop, nice games. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there there are a few moments where they try and have moments of levity. Yeah, that's the thing that really jumped out at me watching this. I hadn't thought I, about that, but that's a good point. But you know, it, given all the Arnold movies, it's, it's like this is like the anti-Arnold movie. Like, it, it's funny how you know, in a lot of ways, Commando and Rambo got kind of lumped together because they were kind of happening at the same time. I mean, particularly Rambo Two, I think, came out the same year as Commando. So, and they're kind of both about these super soldiers. It's like. Really, what it comes down to it, they are. There's no similarity between the characters. Like one is very campy and goofy and tongue in cheek, and Rambo is not. No, Rambo not is serious, serious business. Yeah, um, and part of the performance is probably the you know the last few minutes of the movie. I think is probably some of Stallone's best stuff. I do agree. Uh, I think it's a really good movie. Yeah, it's not that I dis. I don't dislike it. I'm not saying that. I think the individual, and it's not just alone. I think Richard Crenna, I think Brian Denny. Really, I think, to be honest, almost everybody in it are giving good performances. Mm-hmm. I think that raises the movie a little bit. I don't think the actual script, the, like I said, it's very plot thin. I think the performances raise this up a little bit. And, that, you know, that's, that's rare in the movies that we've covered. Well, I think the script is intentionally spare. I think that's a stylistic choice. I don't think it's because it's a bad script. I think, you know, I, when they hired on Stallone, he said, yeah, I'll do it if I can rewrite the screenplay. And he, his suggestion was he, did, he wanted Rambo to be mute. He said, Rambo should never speak. You shouldn't say a word. And obviously, as they work through it, it's like, no. Like, it's not possible. We want him to have this yeah. scene at the end where he, he expresses himself. Yeah, and obviously, you're right. It's not possible. It's like, how do you tell a story, especially at the beginning where really the only two characters are Rambo and Teasel for a while. I mean, yeah, obviously for, Teasel has his like underlings or whatever, but no, for a huge chunk of the movie. And I mean, this isn't Castaway, right? I mean, and even in Castaway, they invented a fictional <laughs> volleyball character because you need some dialogue. Yeah. It would have been an artificial conceit to have a Rambo just never speak. Like yeah. It would have been phony, and I think they were right to back off from it. But I think the result was something that was kind of in the middle somewhere of just like Rambo rarely speaks. It's true. Even when he's in dialogue scenes, he's very, you know, he's speaking in pretty short sentences. Curt, and yeah. yeah, he's very curt, yeah. And I think that's effective, but you do end up with these long stretches of the movie where there really isn't much dialogue. Even with the dialogue that is there is just kind of there for flavor and it doesn't really matter. You know, like cops bickering with each other as they're marching through the forest and it's like, well, this doesn't matter for the plot. This is just there to kind of, they, they have to be saying something. Right, because they're human beings and they wouldn't just be marching silently. Right, exactly. No, but I like that. I like how spare this movie is. It's very efficient and it's very... I mean, there, there are a couple of times when I think the movie is getting a little distracted with itself. It's only a 95-minute movie, so yeah. it's like maybe they just felt like this hunter-hunted story needed a few extra turns to pad it out. And we'll, to get we'll, to an hour and a half. Yeah, we'll get to the parts that I think maybe I'm not, I'm not too crazy about. But yeah, generally, I think this is a really effective... I mean, I think you're right. The performances, particularly Stallone's, the fact that he is communicating so much without much dialogue, you really understand what Rambo is going through despite the fact that he's not really expressing himself. Yeah. It just comes through through his eyes and everything. Like, yeah, I think this is a great performance by Stallone. Agreed. Um, anyway, before we get started, very quickly, I just want to mention, because I know I'm going to do it. Uh-oh. Well, this is a thing where I feel like this is kind of, I, I'm paying you back for, or not paying you back, what's the opposite of payback? I, I'm making good. I'm, this is a make good. Making amends? Yes, for the uh, Pumping Iron episode where I played a little trick on you so, <laughs> of, of measuring how long it would be until, <laughs> until you did that Simpsons quote. Okay. So here's what I just want to say. Regular listeners will know how terrible I am with names. 
it's like the part of my brain that keeps track of names is completely destroyed and like the card catalog has been tossed on the ground and you know all the cards <laughs> there's, slime, there's slime dripping all over it it's just like a weird mental block that i have so i want you to keep track of the number of times i call rambo rocky i predict it will happen at least once <laughs> i'm not gonna do it intentionally but it's, a, it's gonna slip out i'm gonna call rambo rocky at least a, once there's a big difference between those two characters there are, it is but this is how bad my memory is and also just the fact that i really love the rocky movies and rambo i'm ambivalent about this movie i like but generally i'm ambivalent about the rambo rambo movies so it's i'm just it's gonna happen so call it out make sure don't let it slide just be like ah, you did it and then can count I, how many times it happened can i make it even more difficult and confusing <laughs> okay how, how so that? what i was noticing watching it because i to be honest like i said i saw this movie once a long time ago i didn't remember this i just know his, his name is rambo i didn't re- remember that his name is john rambo yeah I've determined now john is just a badass name you got john matrix sure you got john wick I just now John Rambo. I've determined I'm just never going to even think about messing with anybody named John because the odds are in not in your favor that that's a man you want to trifle with. I, I would agree with that. I think the reason why writers like giving the name John to tough guy characters is because they want to put the focus on the character's last name. <laughs> so it's like make the bland, you know, even James Bond. It's like James John. Just give him a very boring first name so you'll remember. Okay. Bond, Rambo, <laughs> Matrix, you know. It's true, right? That's where Matrix. all the focus is, yeah. John Wick, though, he is the one that does, I think, break through. I think you need both. That He's identified with yeah. both in that one. Wick is just, it's too... It's too short. Yeah, it's a monosyllabic anyway. name. All right, so we uh, we ready to dive into this one? Uh, yeah, sure. Do you want to get to... Uh... What day is it? What year? Well, as you noted, it is October of 1982, late October. Uh, and so the week that Rambo... Well, first, actually, it had a $15 million budget. And this was a huge hit. This was like the 11th or 12th highest grossing movie of, of the year in 1982. And very troubled production, which uh, I want to talk about later. Okay. Uh, so, like I said, fifteen million in budget, one hundred twenty-five million in total gross, forty-seven domestic, and seventy-eight million international. So, pretty big hit everywhere. You can see why there were three sequels, soon uh, to be four. <laughs> I can't believe he's doing another one. Uh, well, I, I'll have some comments about that later, and probably in technology. But uh, it's tough because I, I want to talk about the new Rambo, but I, I don't want to spoil any of the sequels. All right, fair enough. So. It uh, it opened as the number one movie. I got to tell you, most of the other stuff in here, other than E.T., I don't know any of this stuff. Apparently, it was on the third Halloween movie already by 1982. Oh, sure. Season of the Witch. How do you know that? I like ho- horror movies. Is, is what, that one terrible? It's No, it's actually it's fascinating and strange. It's, it's Basically, the first two Halloween movies are about Michael Myers, and then supposedly the end of that story happened at the end of two. So Halloween 3 is totally unrelated. No characters from the first two movies appear. It's a totally different... They just threw the Halloween name on it. Yeah, I think they wanted it to be like an anthology thing of like every new Halloween movie would be a totally different story. And people hated it. Like, where's Michael Myers? (laughs) And so Halloween 4 is called The Return of Michael Myers. Of course. And that's what it's been. There's a new Halloween coming out that looks awesome too. Man. The new Halloween ignores all Halloween movies except Halloween 1. It doesn't even count 2, which is weird. Wow. It's the Halloween. I would love to do a deep dive in the Halloween series. I, I know I you know, don't care. I know nothing. It's a mess. There's like six different timelines. Like Halloween 6 ignores Halloween 5, but not Halloween 4. And then there's Halloween H2O, which ignores everything except 1 and 2. And then this new one's going to ignore everything but 1. And it, like after Halloween H2O, it was Halloween Resurrection, which ignored Halloween H2O, but it considered it counted everything up to 6. It's a disaster. Amazing. Every word of what you just said was wrong. 
It's hilarious. It's such a nightmare. Anyway. <laughs> Thank you for that history lesson. So the only other things in the, uh, it wasn't even in the top ten, I wanted to note that Rocky III uh, is in theaters. Yeah, you know, I thought the uh, Force Blood came out in 81. It was surprising to find out that this came out the same year as Rocky Three. And one other one, only because I know, I think, discussing it off-air, not necessarily on-air, Annie is also in theaters, and I know that's a movie that played in your house No, we, we discussed that on-air. Okay. Uh, that one, I'm editing it right now, so I, I know for sure. We talked about <laughs> Annie on-air briefly. All right, so in the TV front, 60 Minutes was the number one show in America, which, again, sort of like the Sunday night movies. I'm not sure those should re- that should really count. This is the high time for Dallas and MASH are the number number two shows, uh, no, two and three, I guess. Yeah, didn't we already cover 82 on uh, Victory? I feel like we already covered this time period pretty recently. It could be. I, it's going to be all the same stuff. Well, I was very excited to see that the Love Boat cracked the top oh, ten. Oh, we never talked about the Love Boat. I know that for I sure. I just cra- barely cracked the top ten. I, there's a certain part of me that misses... TV from that time period for dumb shows like The Love Boat. I'm surprised they haven't tried to revive The Love Boat. That could be fun. I, I feel like there's some way to do it on the internet. A YouTube series or something. <laughs> they, they revived Try to Kids. Well, they yeah, and Boat. they revived Dynasty, which is number five on here Oh, right yeah, that now. too, yeah. Yeah, so why not The Love Boat? That, there you go, Hollywood. We've just given you an idea. Get us The Love Boat. Soon it'll make another run. <laughs> Uh, all right, so then in uh, the S&P 500, which I know you need to know, is at 138.1. Okay. So then in the history front, October 1st, Epcot Center opens. Wow. Have you ever been to Epcot? Yeah, we went, my family went in like 86, 87. I didn't know it was that new at the time. Uh, it's funny, because I think I probably went around the same time, about 87-ish, and I think we went to Epcot, but I don't really remember. Well, okay, you don't remember Epcot? I was going to ask you if it was as boring to you as it was to me. <laughs> Epcot was boring to like a seven, eight-year-old kid. Oh, you don't like Future World? That was the only part that was kind of cool, but we spent way too much time in like the countries of the world, and my parents were like going around like, oh, look at this beer from this place, and I'm just like, what's, what's there for me? Nothing. I when are we going to get to the fireworks factory? Yeah, I mean, basically. I remember fountains. I remember being impressed by a fountain. That's like literally the only thing about Epcot that I remember. Well, I'll let you know if we, uh, we ever go with the kids. We have not done Disney yet, and I... I just imagine it like that Simpsons episode of the Go to the World's Fair. I just imagine the, the big what? golf ball fur falling apart. Yeah, <laughs> that would be actually. Great. Oh, you mean the Wig Dome? <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Uh, so then, also on October first, uh, the world's first commercially released compact disc player uh, was released by Sony in Japan. You want to guess what it cost? I would guess fifteen hundred dollars. That's a pretty good guess. Uh, in U.S. dollars, seven hundred and thirty dollars. Oh, okay. I don't know if That's, that was inflation adjusted, though. That may reasonable. That, that may be seven hundred and thirty in nineteen eighty-two dollars. I feel like laser discs from that time cost like a grand. That seems cheap. Hey, I'm just going off what I found on the I'm internet. Sure, I'm who right. knows? October seventh, the musical Cats opens at Winter Garden Theater on Broadway and runs for nearly eighteen years. Can you believe Cats was on Broadway that long? I believe it. I, I didn't know how long, but... I just... The little bit I know about that show, I do not understand. That's another one. I think you we seen? went on a school trip to it, and then <laughs> I just didn't pay attention at all, to the point where I'm not sure if we went... I remember going to some play, and it being strange, and I just didn't... I just basically closed my eyes the whole time, and I didn't want to watch it. <laughs> I was just so bored by it. I think it might have been Cats. I think we may have uh, gone on a school field trip to go see Cats. That is a ringing endorsement of Cats. <laughs> well, apparently you didn't know anything, because it ran for nearly 18 years. Yeah, I mean, I know that was a huge smash hit, so it doesn't surprise me. All right, October 14th, Ronald Reagan declares the war on drugs. Okay. 
was not a successful campaign. The start of our, speaking of school, our favorite uh, visitors to school, the D.A.R.E. officers. Yes, I don't know if you've ever read any literature on how ineffective that program is. I've never read any literature, but there's a number of stories I've heard. I think I've heard two different people who said that their D.A.R.E. officer got busted for selling drugs. <laughs> oh, come on. One downstate. One for sure I remember. Maybe I'm I'm duplicating that memory, but uh, you de- I definitely know one person who said that their D.A.R.E. officer got uh, arrested. Just to explain for people who are not exactly our age and who <laughs> are American. Well, it doesn't have to be our age. It's still an active program. Oh, is it? Absolutely it is, yeah. That's more shocking to me than anything. They still do D.A.R.E. Yeah. in schools? I don't know if it's as prevalent. And what a what, waste of money that is. <laughs> you know, the it action was, is priceless. No, it's, it was clear to us as children that this is stupid and pointless. Yeah. It's supposed to be drug education. It's supposed to you know prevent kids from having drug problems later in life. Yeah, I wish I had a good enough memory to remember what the acronym is. Drug awareness. Resistance education. Oh, man. <laughs> Something sank in with you. You sure. can't remember Rambo versus Rocky, but you got that down. I no, it's literally just names. I have a great memory for other things. It's just literally people's names, movies' names, anything that has a name. All right. Well, uh, I wanted to segue, and I thought this was perfect because on October nineteenth, uh, this man probably could have used drug awareness resistance education. That's right. John Delorean is arrested for selling <laughs> cocaine. <laughs> yep. Uh, and uh, subsequent, I don't know if you know how that case ultimately turns out, but uh, ultimately he's acquitted because he's, it's uh, determined that the FBI there was entrapment. Oh, I did not know that. But what does not matter in terms of his company, October 30th, DeLorean Motor Company ceases production. Would have been forgotten forever if not for Marty yeah. McFly. Yeah, it's, not, it's somewhat interesting, right, that that car has... I, how many cars have fallen by the wayside in, Detroit, not just Detroit, but in automotive history, but yes... Marty McFly and Dr. Emmett Brown have immortalized that car. It's amazing how that movie, not to get on a side uh, tangent here, but like it's amazing how Back to the Future, building their movie around a DeLorean, like, what, this is the most dated thing in the world. It has transcended that somehow. somehow. It, it has made, somehow it made that car timeless. Which is, <laughs> yeah, the shitty It's an insane, <laughs> terrible car. It's insane, but it really has. <laughs> it's, it really is insane. That's the, it was supposed to be a joke. Look at this awful car. DeLorean's car is the worst thing. They make jokes in Back to the Future too about how like that's that's a '54 <laughs> Ford and this is a DeLorean. It'll, you know, we can't if it bumps into us, it'll fall apart. Like like uh, like uh, yeah, it'll, it'll, be, it'll crush us like construction paper something, or something yeah. like that. Yeah, <laughs> the, a little bit outside of October, but on November first, Honda becomes the first Asian automobile company to produce cars in the United States, uh, and it's in Marysville, Ohio. Hmm. So shortly thereafter, Ron Howard will be directing Gung Ho, is what I remember. <laughs> that's right. Oh, that's, that's that same year. I think it is 82. 82? I mean, it's, it's somewhere in there. Definitely. So it was obviously that it was in the works and probably huge in the news at the time. So, you know, a movie script gets yeah. pitched. And, I wonder and if Gung Ho holds up. I haven't seen that movie in 20, I haven't 25 it, years. I, I haven't seen it in a long time. I remember, I really liked that movie. I remember liking it. Yeah. Maybe that's one we'll have to watch again and, and see if it holds up and we still uh, still like it. Michael Keaton is generally very watchable. He, I, it's, he's not been in a lot of bad movies. No, and he, he really does carry that movie. I mean, yeah, that, oh yeah. that's mostly his show. Michael Keaton is great. He continues to be great. He does. Have you uh, seen Spider-Man Homecoming I still yet? have not seen Homecoming. I have it I now. To. Feel free to borrow it. I have All right, it. I'm going to borrow it then because that, that will get me prompt me to, yeah, to see it. He's great in that. All right, so then just to finish out on the history side, New York Times bestseller is Space by James Michener. I looked it up. Apparently, it's a fictionalized account of the space program in the United States and expanding out and what it would become. I have no idea. Uh, And the the right stuff came out around this time, too. So maybe it was just a thing that people were interested in. It might have been. 
And then the Billboard 100, Jack and Diane by John Cougar. No Mellencamp at this point. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> Just John <laughs> Cougar. Yeah, that's an okay song, I guess. Uh, I don't hate that song. I don't hate it, but I got to be honest. I thought it was way before 1982. I was surprised when I saw it. I'm not a, I've, I've said I am not a music person. Yeah. I thought that was a much older song. Uh, that. that seems very 80s to me. But uh, yeah, There was a transition period. Like the 80s proper didn't start until like... 83, 84, maybe. Okay. When you start, like, all the synthesizers and whatever, like, big hair. Like, Terminator. Technoir. Yeah, exactly. That's the shorthand, is Technoir yeah. is the shorthand. Skel- for- skeleton sleeveless t-shirts. Yes. You know, that's the 80s. So, yeah, that's what was going on in, uh, mostly in the United States. I don't have any nuclear tests. There were some, but I decided not to put them on here. <laughs> I'm going to cut them out anyway at this point. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you that right now. All right, let's get into it. You want to talk? We'll talk. I'm a sucker for good conversation. All right, so I, I let this uh, discussion off with how thin the plot is, so this plot summary should not take us very long. Uh, it shouldn't, but there are individual sequences of this movie that I feel like it, it does divide into a couple of different sections, but if you want to give a, the broadest overview possible. Let me then. give my, my broad one, because I always write a pretty broad one here. So I've got John Rambo wants to get something to eat in a small town after finding out a friend from the Vietnam War has died from cancer. Sheriff Tiesel denies John Rambo a meal in town, and the end result is not good for anybody. It's like killing John Wick's dog. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think John Wick is definitely inspired by Rambo in some ways. Oh, yeah, I, I think so. I, I, I wanted to get that in there. Yeah, I don't think that's a coincidence. So this is based on a novel by David Morrell. came out in 1972, uh, and I, I started reading it. I wanted to try and read it before this episode. It's a pretty quick read. I, I was For one reason or another, I didn't get through it in time. Um, oh, you started it, though? I started. I'm like, okay. I'm like halfway through. Okay. How true, I guess, is it? Well, it's pretty faithful. I mean, it's a pretty simple story, so it'd be hard to diverge too much. Yeah. There are small differences. Uh, for one thing, the novel is set in Kentucky. Oh, okay. Um, this is set in the Pacific Northwest. The scene where at the beginning where Rambo finds out that his uh, war buddy has died of Agent Orange, that's not in the book at all. Okay. He's just sort of a drifter and wandering through the town. Also, I think the biggest difference is just the time that it took, you know, the book came out in 72. The movie didn't get made until 82, which we'll talk about later, why that happened. The fact that this is set in 82, it doesn't try to set it in like, no, not, not just as they've come back. Yeah. I mean, it's not entirely clear, but yeah, it it seems like it's set in 82. And and that's, I think that's the biggest difference is this story set in 72 at a time when there was still a lot of cultural change going on. Like, you know, I think Teasel kind of looks at Rambo and says, look at this guy with his long hair, like hippie, like it, it, and then uh, I think Stallone talked about it in the commentary of just like, you know, in 82, this was not unusual at all to see a like, man wearing like his hair slightly longer. No, not, it's not even all. that long. You know, no. it's, it's just kind of shaggy. So, yeah, I think unless you're Stort- George Steinbrenner, then you would have needed to shave those sideburns. <laughs> shave those sideburns, that's right. Mr. Burns, I'm not sure what you think sideburns are. <laughs> so, yeah, I think the fact that it took 10 years to make this movie makes it kind of strange. It's like he kind of. In the movie, I think Teasel is just kind of a jackass. He's yeah, not really. It, it doesn't really make sense. It doesn't. Yeah, his motivation doesn't work anymore because you lose the whole kind of late sixties, early seventies culture war stuff that was going on then that it was not going on in nineteen eighty two. You know, it was a different type of cultural war of anything that was starting up. Yeah, it was swinging the other way. Right. Kind exactly. of exactly. So yeah, I mean that's the one thing I think is the biggest difference is it just in the movie it just comes off as a little strange in terms of Teasel's motivation. Yeah, it doesn't line up with what's going on in the country at the time. But right. I don't think that for what the for what the 
the plot is I'm not sure it matters that much either, though. Well, I mean, so you don't the fact that Teasel's motivation Teasel just doesn't like this guy. He's a drifter. He doesn't want this drifter in his town. Yeah, like I mean, you're, you're willing to buy that as, an, as enough motivation of just like he just wants this guy out of it, out of there. I'm willing to buy that. Yes, that he's resistant to any outsiders. The 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 culture war stuff doesn't line up and make sense. But I, I'm I'm willing to make that leap that if it was anybody who didn't look like they quote unquote belonged in uh, in this town that. Teasel would have reacted that way. So I didn't feel like it didn't make sense. You think this happens all the time? This is just a regular thing? Well, if it is, then just let the guy go to Dairy Queen. I mean, Dairy Queen can use the business. (laughs) Was there a Dairy Queen in that time? Yeah, there is. I've got it later (laughs) on. Oh, I didn't see it. Well, I don't know if there is supposed to be, but wherever they filmed, there was. Right, right. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, and I've I've got it. It's like, just let him go get something (laughs) at the DQ and let him be on his way. Or well, that's the thing that happens in the novel, um, and it kind of repeats itself. And I'll stop talking about the novel, but like, Rambo comes into town. That just starts that way. There's no opening scene with yeah. where he finds his, his buddy has died. Teasel picks him up. So, oh, you know, where are you headed? I'll, I'll, I'll give you a lift. Give you a lift. Rambo gets annoyed, walks back into town, finds the diner, gets some food. Teasel sees him, lets him finish his food, or like, I think he's like, Yo, you can bring it with, and then he lets him. <laughs> you can get it to go back. Yeah, basically is what he's. That's, that's what happens. So it happens twice. Like he brings them outside of town twice, and the second time he's just like, "All right, I'll let you eat your food," you know. So it's not even like a thing where he won't let him eat in town. He like, I mean, at first he doesn't, but then once Rambo does there. it anyway, right? Yeah. And once he's there, it's like, "All right, fine, you, you got me this time, basically. <laughs> you win this round." So yeah, it's just I think the movie compresses all that down. Just yeah. like he he drives into town, Rambo's like, "Why are you pushing me?" And then Rambo immediately turns back around. Like, even before he's out of... Like, yeah, know. it's so blatant. It's like, why, why didn't he just wait, like, five minutes and the right. guy would be gone? I mean, there's, there's a lot to poke holes in. Well, I mean, I think that's one reason that... I, I'm not crazy about that opening scene where Rambo finds out his buddy died because I think it kind of tries to over-explain why Rambo is so pissed off. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. he's the last guy in his unit is, right. has died and he's the only one left and this is what has driven him into this, like, despair. I think it kind of softens the whole story of this kind of post-traumatic stress disorder. Yeah. The, you know, this movie is actually about some pretty serious topics. You wouldn't think Rambo would be, be about yeah, <clears throat> reassimilating and trying to. And I mean, it's a theme that certainly hasn't changed and is as much, if not more, of a problem for you know veterans of first Gulf War and even maybe as much, if not more so, tours in Afghanistan and Iraq. Yeah. You know, in the two thousands. Well, yeah, and I have notes in the technology section, but I'll, I, we can talk about it now in terms of, I, I think today, the army, just the military in general is a lot more aware of these issues and makes more of an attempt to reintegrate soldiers and to offer counseling for PTSD. Not that it was always effective. It's like, obviously, no, but even, folks are going to slip through the cracks. Yeah, but even that's a relatively recent phenomenon. I mean, in the mid-2000s, not, not as much. I mean, that's within the last probably five to ten years. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, but I mean, there there has been some progress made there. Yes. Not just, I mean, uh, this movie is so specifically about the Vietnam War. Oh, absolutely, and about kind of America's, you know, what the word I don't know what word I'm looking for, but like problems. I guess yeah. that's the most that's the most generic way to put it. But uh, yeah, I mean, Rambo represents all of these soldiers who came back and didn't know what to do with themselves, and you know, he complains about people at the airport spitting on him, calling him baby killer, and all that. And like, yeah, obviously, it has a lot of. You know, it's a political movie yeah. in a way that, for instance, Commando is not. Uh, it is not at all. <laughs> you know, so yeah. I mean, I think I, I think that opening scene makes it less about the PTSD and more about 
like he's sad that his buddies died. You know, I just I don't know if you need that. I think it kind of in the end it's unnecessary because it's like you don't even remember that that happened. It's like oh right he he went to his buddy's house and his widow I guess told him that the guy died. It is relatively irrelevant. You can take that out, yeah. and I don't think it changed. Well, I, the book was written that way, and I think this the script could have been fine here. Yeah, I, I don't think you need it. Yeah, but anyway, yeah, Rambo comes back into town. He gets arrested by Teasel. Yep. He's Teasel's men. Well, he doesn't even get back into town. He literally is just like walked well, over sure. a bridge, but yes. He's arrested. So they arrest him and take him back for processing, and processing in this town is uh, is yeah. not for the uh, the weary. Yeah. They're pretty rough with him, and he gets some Vietnam flashbacks where he was obviously had some... A very, prisoner of war. Yeah, yeah. he had some really tough experiences, and he freaks out and beats up a couple of guys and escapes, and then there's a chase, and then basically the rest of the movie... The first half is Rambo. They're trying to chase down Rambo. Rambo's just trying to get away. He just wants to be left alone. He accidentally kills a guy. Falls out of a helicopter. Yeah, it's, and that's that. That's the guy who was the roughest with him. Like the, yeah. the movie's trying to really make Rambo sympathetic. Oh, absolutely. Um, well, uh, actually, that's the biggest change in the book from the book to the movie. And this, I haven't really gotten far enough yet to see the worst of it. But Rambo's killing these guys in the book. Okay. It's funny how I think the movie takes the message of the book and totally flips it and i think for the better because the book is rambo is kind of more of a symbol it's like it's the, all the evils of vietnam come home to roost and he's gotcha. you know he's right. enacting you know, all, all the violence and horrors are now him. affecting america and he's waging war in america you know he's basically lost his mind and doesn't gotcha. know friend from foe um yeah he's killing all these people he's killing all these cops that kid that comes across him in the woods he just kills he's like a, you know a teenage kid who just murders him wow. like it, it, it's brutal and so I think the book is about. Um, I said I'd talk, stop talking about the book, but here I am. I shouldn't have read the book because now it's like here's this is just what I'm talking about. Yeah, but I think the book is it's very much seeing like, see, wasn't the Vietnam War terrible? And you yeah. know, isn't look at the monsters that we created in order to fight this war? And here's John Rambo, the monster. Right, an unintended consequence. Right, where I think Stallone very clearly and and very specifically wanted to make a movie. That was sympathetic to the Vietnam soldiers coming back and saying, right. like, no, this, he's not a monster. He's a human being. Right. And he went they through training hell. and were weapons. But yeah. And this is this is a guy who's broken. And, you know, we shouldn't be judging him. I think and it's, it's funny how it's the exact opposite of what the book is trying to say. The book is yeah, ju- the I, book is very much judging Rambo in this this movie, it, saying no, 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 ju- Rambo. You can understand why he's acting yeah, the way it, he is. It sounds like the you know the well, not sounds like the movie is not taking a political stance. Well, maybe a little bit, but it's certainly muted, and it's more about the individual. Yeah, John Rambo, as opposed, to, it sounds like the book is a very political statement of as you said, you made these decisions, and here now are the consequences of those decisions. They've you know come back to the United States to haunt it. Yeah, and I think it was the right decision too. Yeah. I mean, Rambo certainly is not a political phrase. symbol. He's not a political symbol, or well, but he he doesn't have politics. He he's an apolitical person. Oh yeah, he just wants to be left alone. You know what I mean? I, I don't. Th- he's not fighting for any particular cause. He's just been pushed, and he pushes back. And I think because of that, yeah, I think you're right. I think it's it's much more about the individual and all of the, the symbolic weight of all of it. You know, you don't have to worry about it as much. You know, he doesn't have to sim- represent anything other than just one guy who was just messed up by the war. Yeah, I will say that if it does have any politics, and I'm, I don't know if it's intentional, but it certainly it has its stance on the military because the National Guard 
is got to be. Yeah. If there's any comedy, it comes from accidental comedy from that National Guard unit. Yeah, you know what? That is that is some attempts at comedy, but doesn't really work. It doesn't land. That's true. But that's the National Guard, though. That's not the military. Nah, but that I mean, the National Guard gets deployed and serves in wars. Yeah, I mean, it, I guess the 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 political point of view is kind of muddied at best or muddled at best. Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't I don't know. If, yeah, I'm not sure it was intentional. I think they just needed. Somebody who had a rocket launcher is probably ultimately what they needed for the movie. Right. We can move on from like the political stuff, but I think it's interesting how for a long time, one of the reasons why First Blood, it took so long for First Blood to get made is because Vietnam was such a touchy political issue that no one wanted to touch it. Okay. And, you know, I think starting in the late 70s and early 80s with like Coming Home and like, Deer Hunter. And Deer Hunter and, yeah. yeah they started to make Vietnam movies, but they were all, all of them were very political. And then here's one where it's like, yeah, it's just about having sympathy for the soldiers that went over there and it doesn't have, you know, an agenda to it. It's just saying, all, all it's really saying, I think if this movie has one political message, it's just like, hey, if you were one of those people spitting and calling them baby killers, maybe you should rethink that. Yeah, maybe you should look in the mirror. Yeah, I think that's really all this movie is saying. It's yeah. saying, hey, these guys went through a lot and maybe shouldn't be so judgmental about them. I mean, yeah. not to say that th- horrible things didn't happen in Vietnam. I'm sure They certainly did, but, you know. Well, and it ends, you know, with Richard Crenney. Rambo just needs a hug. <laughs> yeah, Richard Crenner isn't. He's not really that willing to give him a hug. He accepts <laughs> Rambo's hug. He doesn't push Rambo away when Rambo. Uh, yeah, well, I, let's let's talk about because I think there's two halves of this movie. The first half is Rambo being hunted down. He's kind of deflecting them. He's not. He doesn't want to kill anybody. He yeah. kills one person, one guy accidentally. The National Guard chases him into a mine. Blow up the entrance of the mine. That one got bullseye. The guy with the <laughs> that, mustache. That is the closest to comedy that there is. I will say, I kind of smile at that guy, even though it's that whole subplot of the National Guard is not something that I'm a big fan of. So then Rambo goes and wanders through a mine for five minutes, which is the part I don't like. And I'll say that from doing research and listening to the commentaries and things, it's pretty clear that David Morrell, who wrote the book, I don't know how familiar you are with uh, Hero with a Thousand Faces, which is the. No, it's 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 uh, Joseph Campbell. He wrote like he, he did a lot of studies on like mythology, and the reason why he's famous basically is because George Lucas used his studies when he wrote Star Wars. Basically, Joseph Campbell did a study. He looked at mythologies from all across the world, and he said, "Okay, what do they have in common? So have this, this, and this, and this." I'm no expert on it, but he you know he wrote like an academic paper on it. Sure. George Lucas read it, was influenced by it. He's like, "Oh, I want to make something mythological, so I should just follow this as a template." Now it's like everybody uses this. It's why so many movies feel the same. It's just like, "Oh, Joseph Campbell said this, and this, you know, oh, they, I have to do this." You're right. It's like, well, it's like there's different stages. Like the hero must reject the call, and then the tragedy strikes. So like you think about Star Wars. It's like Luke's like, "I won't go with you, Obi Wan," and then oh, now his aunt and uncle are dead, and now he's been forced to go. And then there's always a part where he has to enter the belly of the beast and transform himself into the hero. And so David Morrell has said when he wrote the novel that he was influenced by this guy too, Joseph Campbell, and it's like, okay, I'm going to follow this. In the case of Rambo, yeah, it, it just feels like, okay, it's the template that I'm going to follow because it's worked in the past. But he's not transforming in any way. It's not like this mythical journey where he's learning something about himself. He just survives. That's it. Right. That's and, what he's been built to do. Right. I mean, I guess it's to show that he's this survivalist. He can survive anything. But we've already seen that. So I just don't understand why that mind sequence is there. It kind of serves as a dividing point because once he gets out of the mine, then he takes the fight to them. Yes. And then it's like the hunter becomes the hunted. You know, Rambo is going to hunt them down and, and take revenge by blowing up their town. <laughs> he does a lot of collateral damage. <laughs> a lot of collateral damage. I'm not ready, damn you. But uh, wait, wait, don't before you move on. It's called 
collateral damage. I don't know if it's collateral because he's intending to blow that stuff up. It's that's true, but man, he does a number on that poor town. It's I'm a, just thinking of the poor business owners. They didn't. They, it's not their fault. Their sheriff's a jerk. Yeah, he only blows up a couple of things. He blows up the gas station. The gas station fire spreads to like a nearby car lot. A bunch of cars <laughs> yes. blow up. He takes out the munitions yeah. gun store. Gun store. He takes out the sheriff's office. Yeah, he knocks out the transformers to the power to everywhere. So there's a lot of freezers and food that's going to spoil. <laughs> that's true. That's the true tragedy of Rambo. <laughs> All those restaurants. Um, that's maybe that's really what it is. He's like, I'm going to show them. You won't let me eat in your town. <laughs> Nobody's going to eat in this town. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, it ends with. Uh, I, I, I guess you could say there's a showdown between him and Teasel, but really, there's not much of a showdown. Like, not at all. Teasel ends up on the roof, and Rambo just kind of susses out where he is and shoots him through the floor. And yeah. Teasel's just like, ah, and falls through the floor. It's like, it's, wow. It is. For me, it was pretty anticlimactic. I mean, I don't know. I mean, the climax of this movie is Rambo's speech to Troutman. At the yeah, end. I guess. Colonel Troutman, who trained him, he shows up halfway through and says, I trained him. Richard Crenna, I think you're right to call out the performances. I think Richard Crenna, in particular, He's giving a really great performance yeah. as Troutman. And it's something that I'd, I'd be curious to know what Rambo fans think of Troutman. Because speaking as someone, I've seen all four Rambo movies, but I wouldn't call myself a Rambo fan. I'd never trust Troutman. In this movie in particular, I'm not sure you're supposed to. He's sort of an ambiguous figure. It's like, why is he here? What is his agenda? I don't, I don't think you're supposed to. Right. And I get, I got the same feeling going through it. I wouldn't say that. Ooh, he's look out, he's evil. Sure, I think it's it is ambiguous. I'm not sure. Can I? Can I? Can he, I or can't I trust him? Yeah, and I think that's owes a lot to Richard Crenna's performance. He's very inscrutable. It's like you're never sure what he's thinking. Yeah. He's, he's he's wearing a mask. His guard is up the whole time. Um, are you aware that Kirk Douglas was originally cast to play this part? No. <laughs> he was not only cast, he shot for like a couple of weeks and was fired. <laughs> he was fired? So, yeah. Apparently, there was issues with... he kept trying to, Was Stanley Kubrick on set? <laughs> well, uh, Stanley Kubrick only did Spartacus because Kirk Douglas got that director fired. And Stanley Kubrick was the replacement. So, Stan, uh, Kirk Douglas had a, a history of firing directors. So I wonder if this is uh, Ted Kochev being like, all right, I got to fire first before he gets me fired. <laughs> Um, there I'll were, show you, Kirk. There were you know issues on the set, and Kirk Douglas, I guess, was rewriting too many lines. And I think people were saying that he was stealing lines from Teasel. It's like that's a good line. I want to say it. My character <laughs> says this now. That's awesome. Um, but uh, yeah, so he got fired, and so Richard Crenna, he literally got hired the day before he started. Wow. And uh, I saw an interview with him saying like he basically asked the director Ted Coach to just tell him what to do. Just tell me what to do. I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't know who this character is. I don't know what the story is. I literally got hired yesterday and I was on a plane for 8 hours and now here I am on set shooting a film. <laughs> you know. So he uh, well and under the circumstances it's a great performance. Well, I, it's a weird thing because I think it's almost an accidentally great performance because it's like he's doing almost nothing because he's not sure what to do or who his character is, but it perfectly it works perfectly because it's just like Net, you just can't tell yeah, what's going on. You don't know if he's there to protect himself or protect other people, right? Right. Yeah. Well, in the end, I think he's he's at least sympathetic to Rambo, even if I don't know if he always has Rambo's best interests in mind. But at least, yeah, the the climax of the movie is Rambo breaking down and expressing all of his frustrations, yeah. which is an amazing scene. No, it is. It's but to me, it's the it's the best part of the movie. I'm 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 sure that was the intention, but it's easily the best part of this movie. Yeah, the whole movie is building to this, and it's like I'm gonna guess the other Rambo's don't have a scene like this either. <laughs> okay, I wish I could say something oh, about Rambo too. <laughs> Let me say this: those Rambo sequels think they have a scene like this. <laughs> oh man, okay, but no this this is a really powerful scene. Like seriously, I can't believe that this scene is isn't this movie. 
No, I, I, this is a good movie. I, I can believe it's in this movie. Okay. You know how, like, when you watch the Oscars or something, or some kind of, like, there's some kind of montage of the great film moments. Huh. I can't believe this is not one of them. Like, this is up there with the Ben-Hur chariot race or, like, E.T. phone home or whatever. Like, it's, it's one of the great movie moments, and it's why, like, I'm a little ambivalent about this movie in general, but it's so worth it to get to that ending. Yeah. Stallone is so good. Yeah, I mean, he he really raised his performance in, in bar for this, and I don't know if I don't know if that's in the book or if you know Stallone rewriting the script wanted to give him, give himself more, which I think we've discussed. He has a a penchant for wanting to give himself some more when he's writing. Stallone uh, does. Yeah, I don't know. I think that's the opposite. In this movie, it's the opposite. He took he, he wanted to be silent. Maybe in this movie, I can. I think we talked about it in the last one, The Specialist. I think he was afraid James Woods was stealing that movie. Oh, but in that case, okay, now I remember what you were talking about. But in that case, he gave himself an action scene. Yeah. It wasn't like he was giving himself dialogue. I wouldn't be surprised if Stallone wrote, wrote this part of the screenplay. I mean, it's hard to say who wrote what. But I, I give Stallone the benefit of the doubt where I don't think this is just for his ego. I think this benefits the movie. Oh, yeah. I, no, I don't. It's the best scene in the movie, it's the best performance. I'm not, I don't know if I go as far as you're saying is that it should be in like the most iconic that in, you know, an Oscar montage, but it's a, it's a, it's a very good performance. Okay. I, maybe that's why I like this movie a little more than you is I, I, I get chills every time I watch that scene oh, right. and it's like, you know, I, this movie is just kind of like a 90 minute build up to that, that yeah. like, this could be a short film. This could be a 20 minute film. I mean, <laughs> really the plot is so thin. Yes. It really, uh, it, I mean, you outline like the, the, the rats, the, 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 yeah, you don't need any of that stuff. No, all that could go. Yeah. And to be honest, a lot of the chase even could easily... You could get this down to 60 minutes easily. I mean, there's some good action. There's too much cops creeping through the forest. Oh, way too much. I mean, the stuff from your delineation point, the second half when Rambo takes the fights to them, all that action stuff I think is really good. Yeah, definitely. Although, I will say that he, he, he hijacks a truck and takes it. It's unfortunate this movie came out one year after Raiders of the Lost Ark, because all I can think of is the truck sequence in Raiders of the Lost Ark, and it's just like... Okay, you know, First Blood, this is fine as far as like a truck hijacking sequence, but ooh, you're not competing with your peers. Like, Raiders of the Lost Ark is incredible, and this is just like, what's in this truck? Okay, goodbye, and then just that's it. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, it's not its fault. It just has some stiff competition. It is an M60 back there, though. Well, yeah, I mean, he definitely lucked out there. He's like, oh, I could use this to destroy that town. <laughs> Right, single-handedly, that's all I need. One gun. I will say, if I have one complaint about that final sequence, Stallone's big performance, the first half of it is dubbed for some reason. I don't know. I didn't notice that. For whatever reason, dubbing is something that always jumps out to me. Again, I'm very, like, auditory-focused. Anything I hear, I'm, I'm just very particular about sounds, like, for whatever reason. So I can tell that it's dubbed, and I think it's to cut out cursing, weirdly, even though this is a rated R movie. Because it's just like there's parts where he's like, I can't even get a job parking freaking cars. Like there's a couple like dams and freaking. Oh, yeah. They insert. I can tell that they replaced a curse with a less mild curse. And I don't know why. It's a rated R movie. I'm surprised. Actually, I'll be honest. I'm surprised it's a rated R because there's not a lot in this. There's not a cursing. There's not blood. Yeah, well, this is before PG thirteen existed. Oh yeah, it's it's. I'm sure it's for the curse. There's that's the thing. There's still enough cursing to get an R. Yeah, I there's guess. there's like four or five Fs. I guess you're right. I, I just, you know what? I gloss over them because there's not that many. Right. I mean, there weren't, it wasn't like Goodfellas level. It yeah, was, exactly. It was peppered around here and there. But it, it's so distracting to me because, you know, I mean, anytime there's ADR, you're just never going to quite capture whatever the original performance is. But as soon as 
He throws the gun. Yeah. I can't even get a job parking cars, and he collapses. From that point forward, is it's the sound from yeah. the day, and it's so good. Yeah. Like he's stumbling over, over himself, and you can only hear bits and pieces of the story. But it doesn't matter. Like you hear enough that it's so impactful. The yeah. story that he tells about his buddy at the bar and the shine box and it's funny. You know what that story actually reminded me a little bit of, and it should be the reverse. But I had seen The Expendables more recently. Reminds me a little bit of Mickey Rourke and his his story and his performance in The Expendables. That's a good connection. Yeah, you're yeah. right. I actually, and that's equally effective. Oh, well, yeah. not equally, but it's 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 effective in the same way. Yeah, I mean, not to the same degree. The tone of that movie, The Expendables, is obviously a lot different than this, but it. It reminded me, particularly that, as you said, after he collapses, that like that story yeah. really reminds me of Mickey Rourke's performance and his story in, in The Expendables. Oh, and the moment where Stallone, he's telling a story about this buddy who just got killed with an explosive at a bar, like just some kid threw well, it in his lap. Yeah, or shoeshine box. Shoeshine box. And Stallone's talking about, like, I, I can't find your legs. Like, he's saying stuff like that, and it's, he's got the gun belts all over him, yeah. and he tears them off himself as if, like, you know, the body parts were on. That, yeah. you know, he, it, it is a really well delivered. I, I wonder if that was Stallone on the day or if that was written in the script, but it's like, it's, you don't have to be told that that's what it means. It's like, yeah, he's, he's there again. And anything that's on him, he's got to throw it off of him. Yeah. That moment gives me chills every time where he just throws the gun belts off of him. Yeah. Uh, I'm getting chills right now. I'm not All even right. kidding. All right. But uh, yeah, anyway, he gets, you know, Troutman walks him out. So there wasn't origi- a different ending. Oh, no. what's the original ending? So originally Rambo died. In the book or in the movie? I have not finished well, the book. Well, you haven't finished the book, so you don't know, yeah. But I think from what I was reading, I think in the book, Troutman just flat out kills him. Like, you're a monster. <laughs> I must Jeez. kill you. Well, because again, he's murdered like 20 people in the book. Yeah. He's like, I've created you. I must destroy you. That, was, that sort of a thing. Right. The original ending of the movie, this was the ending all the way through. They were planning to do, go with this ending where Troutman plans to shoot Rambo, but then when he sees him break down and cry and all that, he's like, I can't do it. And Rambo kills himself. He like mm. says, Rambo's like, you got to kill me. You know, I don't want to live anymore. And Troutman's like, no, 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 we'll get you help. And then Rambo like grabs the gun and shoots himself. Oh. Basically forces Troutman to shoot him with, with the gun. And I guess on the day, just kind of by chance, I think Stallone is the one who mentioned that, like, we should shoot an alternate ending where Rambo doesn't die just in case. Like, he's, I think Stallone is the one who's like, audiences are going to hate this. Like, we're rooting for, for Rambo. And uh, we don't, audiences are going to want to see him die. So they just, at the end of a day one day, like, oh, we should just shoot an ending where Troutman escorts him out. Just grabbed it on the spot, still not planning to use it. I'm like, well, we'll probably won't use this. Yeah, just to have it. And then they showed the film to test audiences, and test audiences were like, we love this movie except for this ending, and, yeah. you know, what are you thinking? And so, yeah, they went with the ending. Oh, Rambo. Interesting. Yeah. There which, clearly wouldn't have been a Rambo franchise yeah, oh, definitely. I yeah, mean, they gone the other route, right? This, I mean, they would have found a way. I'm sure they would have found a way. This movie made $150 million, just, which is a huge amount in 1982. It absolutely is. That's a billion-dollar movie today. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, they, they would have figured something out. Well, uh, um, I'm surprised there's never been a Rambo prequel. That's the thing that surprises me. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Especially today with like the solos, uh, Star Wars stories of the world. <laughs> you, I wish you, you've said this about me, I wish you could see the look of derision <laughs> on your face. That at, movie's terrible. <laughs> I haven't seen it. I, I know I am in the minority in terms, like I, I am the weird oddball Star Wars fan now where I love The Last Jedi and I hate Solo. <laughs> Everyone is the opposite. 
we, I had a confrontation with a mutual friend of ours about a this. confrontation. I, it basically became a confrontation. Wow, this is Beth, you know, she was not happy with my opinions about <laughs> Star Wars. Oh man, um, okay, wrote prequels. Yeah. I find so boring. It's like, what's going to happen? You know. I know you've said it. How did Indiana Jones exactly? <laughs> yes, the first ten minutes of Last Crusade is exactly that. It's it's that movie stretched out to two hours, two hours plus, <laughs> I think. Yeah. Oh, how did Han Solo get his gun? How did he meet Chewbacca? How did he get the Millennium Falcon? Gee, I wonder if those things are going to be answered in this movie. It's like there's no mystery to. This. I know exactly what this movie's going to be going in, and it didn't surprise me at all. Anyway. Whatever. So, yeah, it's a missed <laughs> opportunity here for John Rambo. There's a quick review of Solo Star Wars. But yeah, there's something that I would actually want to see. And, you know, you get the kind of idea, like Baker Company, I think was what it was called. Was yeah, it? his crew. Of, you know, whatever crew it is, seven, seven guys or whatever it was. I'm really shocked they've never tried that. Maybe they will eventually. Maybe Stallone's the ones like nobody gets to play Rambo but me. I don't know. Maybe that's what the new Rambo is going to be. It's not. I it's going to be Rambo at 70. <laughs> Just think about that for a minute. Well, it's going to be Rambo at 70. Rambo 4, he was like 61, and I'm pretty... I'm a decent fan. That's my second favorite Rambo movie is Rambo 4. Really? So, yeah, yeah. The other ones must be bad. I'm not a fan of the ones that I think Rambo fans are fans of. Okay. So, All I right. mean, I could, I could just rank them now. It doesn't matter to you. So, yeah. Rambo 2, which is the one that everyone loves and was the big cultural phenomenon. It's the one where like, Ronald Reagan has been like, we should be more like Rambo. That's because of Rambo 2. That's the big, iconic Rambo movie. I hate Rambo 2. <laughs> I really do not like Rambo 2. Whereas Rambo 3 is the one that Rambo fans don't like. And I actually think it's kind of fun. I, I so kind of like Rambo 3. And right. Rambo 4 is the best of those three, I think. So you're taking the alternative approach to the Star Trek movies, which the I think it's the odd number Star Trek movies are terrible, and the evens are the good ones. No, but I like Rambo 4, though. Oh, all right. Well, then I throw that. My one ranking out. right now is First Blood, then Rambo, which is the fourth one, then Rambo three, then Rambo First Blood Part Two is the bottom. <laughs> First Blood Part Two, such a stupid title. Very, that's, the the title is the least of that movie's problems. All right. Well, I think we got the plot covered. All right. So technology is next, yes, sir. Let's do it. It's already up in the cloud. What cloud? What cloud? All right. So this is the segment where we. Take a look at how would a, how would a movie be different using modern technology if it was made today? Yeah, we did technology. we did a terrible job. We should have uh, noted that the plot summary is the big picture, but and then it is a plot summary. So yeah, technology. I, I actually have a couple entries on this one. It sounds like you had a few, which uh, normally it's the opposite. So why don't you lead us off? Yeah, we talked a little bit about the progress that has been made on dealing with PTSD. And yeah. I think that's that's something that. Well, uh, you know, I was just trying to think of like, are there equivalents? You know, because I'm not even not even thinking about the Rambo sequels. Just like okay, take. First Blood, in isolation, you know, a movie about a soldier suffering with PTSD and, and who is not able to reintegrate with, with civilian life. And has there been a movie that's kind of like that? The only two movies I can think of that were even remotely similar, The Hurt Locker yep. and American Sniper. And neither one of those movies really deals with what First Blood is dealing with. Because I think, you know, this is a movie about a soldier who just can't reintegrate. And is just too haunted by the violence that he's, you know, he's been turned into a weapon and he can't change himself back into a human being, basically. I think Hurt Locker is kind of about a guy who doesn't want to reintegrate. He's just like, I'm happy going back to war. Just I'd rather do that than even try to get back into civilian life. And I think American Sniper, I mean, that's a real story, so it's kind of awkward. But like, I'm sure that there are others because I haven't, you know, seen every war movie that's come out since you know Afghanistan and Iraq. I'm sure right. there's others that cover it. Those would be the two right off the top of my head. I mean, I, I've not seen a lot of 
movies that deal with Iraq and Afghanistan. I mean, I, I've not seen uh, what's the one about the hunt for Bin Laden. I don't think that really deals with them uh, coming back, though. Uh, no, Zero Dark Thirty. Zero Dark Thirty. No, that's that's far. That's actually more of I have seen it. It's that's more of analytics and the actual piecing together the intelligence. It, it's really more from the CIA's perspective. It's a it's a prologue to violence, not the after effects of yeah, violence. Absolutely. Like, no. Yeah, absolutely. I was just trying to think of, like, what are movies that are about soldiers and dealing with the after effects of war? Yeah. And those are the ones. And I think American Sniper, it's awkward to talk about, like I said, because I don't want to, like, it's a, it's a real guy. But, like, I think that, the way the movie depicts it anyway, I'm not all that familiar with the real story, is Chris Kyle being a guy who comes back, is able to kind of return to civilian life, but then violence is acted upon him. Yep, from somebody who from, could not. Right. Yep. So, and, but the movie's not. A, I don't think we even see the guy who killed Chris Kyle in the movie. Yeah, you, he's, t- he's off screen. No, you you do. I think at one scene where where you see him, I, or do you like from afar? Maybe because I, 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 I think they take him to the the uh, the gun range actually because that's part of the the program in terms of. Do you see that? I thought you only saw him leave the house. Like I'm gonna take this guy it, to the gun range. I, know, I saw it once in theater, so you could be right. I I don't remember. That's my memory. I maybe I'm wrong. But regardless, the movie's not about the guy who actually no, enacted the violence. No. Like I think the movie, the way the movie shows it, like he's basically Chris Kyle's basically kind of sorted himself out. Yeah. So it's like that movie's about a guy who successfully reintegrates. Hurt Locker's about a guy who doesn't want to reintegrate. So it's like I can't think of a movie that's really dealing with a soldier who is unable to come back to civilian life after Iraq or Afghanistan. Like I don't think there's been a movie like this. Again, I'm sure there is. I just haven't seen it. There, there just has to be. Because, I mean, there's Maybe. a lot of smaller movies that I don't necessarily see. So I don't know if there has to be. I feel like the way that American culture, you know, the difference between the way American culture looks at veterans now versus in the 70s, you know, the spitting baby killer thing, like, that doesn't happen anymore. No. People, American culture is very dedicated to respecting veterans in a way that, and, and I'm sure a lot of that was just because Vietnam was so politicized, even was more politicized, so. Than- but I, I also actually think that in retrospect, there was a change. I mean, it's not only just a cultural change, as you said, the swing back in the 80s, the 1980s, and the Reagan Revolution. I think that in retrospect, the people that were doing the spitting, I think as they got older, I think they reflected back. And I, I bet a, I, I think a lot of things changed because people realized, wait a minute, it was a highly politicized war, but the guys that were actually over there doing the job, they're not the ones who were making the decisions, right? Right. And you could say, well, they you know, should have fled to Canada or found an excuse not to. But not everybody can do that. that that's, a, that's a really white and that's a really actually rich person's privilege. Right. To well, be able especially to when that. there was a draft. Yep. Well, that's that's what, exactly. And the, the people who can get deferments, they're people that are probably rich and probably white. And the majority, when you look at the representation of who actually had to serve in Vietnam... It was from nowhere towns yeah. and mostly people either of color or poor people who ultimately served. Yeah. And they didn't have that choice. Yeah, definitely. The old bone spurs. Yeah, so, exactly. So, <laughs> but, but, so what I think is that some of that also is I think people look back and th- there was, a, I think, a lot of shame culturally of yeah. how Vietnam veterans were treated. And it's one of those things now that I think in some ways we may have swung too far. And I've, I've read some things by some veterans that say, look <laughs> – we shouldn't spend any amount of you know money in terms of their care because, well, no, said another way, that not every veteran is somebody who served in a war. And so sure. th- there's, diff- there's different, I'm not going to say levels of respect, 
but I think in some ways, some people have said we've swung too far the other way. Is that the, it's almost nothing, no, none of their services, nothing, nothing can be touched because they're not now in a like exalted class. And it's like, well, that isn't necessarily the answer either. Yeah, I, I agree with that, but I think that's why I don't think it's necessarily given that a movie like First Blood has been made today today because it's like for a long time people weren't willing to make movies about the iraq war similar to the way vietnam was where it's like ah, it's too it's too you know it's too fresh right yeah exactly it's too painful for a lot of people but you know if anyone tried to make a movie about an ex-iraq soldier coming back to the u.s and running amok like regardless of whether he's killing someone or not i just don't think american culture as it exists today i think you're right that it has swung so far the other way that i don't think people would tolerate it people would be kind of be outraged by that i think this is anti-soldier this is anti-veteran anti-veteran anti-american you're probably right maybe there hasn't been one but i still think maybe not in the rambo sense but in terms of i think the uh talk about i guess ptsd treatment and therapy it seems like that movie still could be made it doesn't have to be that you know the the you know the the sins of war have come home to roost that type of rambo story necessarily right. but i i just feel like that there's probably been more of a psychological movie of the difficulty re- readjusting and coming back has probably been made and I, I just don't know what it is so yeah maybe i mean you're probably right that it's like a subplot or a, a, one plot of many and just like some a story that is about everyday people and it's like Here's a character who who fought in Iraq, and he's just one character in this ensemble, and yes, he is. I mean, yeah, I'm sure there is that story in some movie, but uh, yeah. uh, but anyway, yeah, I, th- I just think the difference between Vietnam and modern wars is so stark. Like, it's not really a technology thing, but it would be a big difference. At least on the technology side, for me, uh, the first thing that came to me is that this search for him totally changes today. Yeah. Drones. I mean, drones are up there searching for him. The helicopters aren't there they have drones all over the place and they probably find him very quickly you think so i thought about that but i want like i don't know if certainly as a local police municipality would not have drones I, i'm not even sure if the state police would have oh drones. they absolutely do because they? They, they use it for in areas like this they they were uh mountainous areas for search and rescue for hikers and people they they were the early adopters actually of drones would I, be in this type of area so i guess that makes sense and, and for a a search on this of a fugitive who's dangerous, they absolutely would have used those before sending in, well, one, they would have probably sent in SWAT. It wouldn't have just been Sheriff Tiesel and David Caruso going in there, but they absolutely... I'm so unfamiliar with, you know, jurisdictions and things. I ran into the same problem with Copland. Like, SWAT is urban police. Yes. Like, it sounds like it's somewhere near Seattle. We don't know exactly where. It's somewhere in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, this I town, mean, it, it's, a, it's a sheriff, and then they have state troopers coming in, but there absolutely would have been some form, either from the state trooper. I don't know, in the 1980s, in the early 80s, I'm not sure, like, the history of SWAT. And but, like, SWAT, I don't, think, I don't think of, like, state troopers combing the countryside. Like, SWAT, they're, they're fighting in, like, they're, they're dealing with... Apartment buildings and like you know like yeah generally. breaching doors and things. I don't know if they're really going through the woods. You wouldn't go through the woods in those big bulky SWAT things. Uh, you probably have different gear. But maybe the, here's my point: drones would have been today would have negated most of this movie. Maybe, I and mean, I definitely have some comments about like all they would need is one helicopter with like a thermal camera. Yeah, and they'd be able to track them the whole way. And yeah, I think. Well, I mean, to be fair to Rambo. Tracking him is never really the problem. There are a couple of times where he's like hiding in the river and they've missed him or like, you know, there's the whole, we never really talked about the maiming sequence as Rambo fans call it, where he's taking them out one by one. The shot where David Caruso is coming through. We never talked about David Caruso either. <laughs> his, his first role, David Caruso. 
Um, they're going through the, the 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 forest, and Rambo comes up. He's like, "Oh yeah," and and stabs him in the leg. Yeah, and stabs him in the leg. So like, it's never really. They don't have too much trouble tracking him. They generally know where he is. It's just that he they can't get him. Like he, no, he is always taking them out. Yeah, it's the uh, the dog catching the car. Right? They they catch up with him, and then they don't know what to do with him right. once they catch him. Yeah, exactly. So I'm not even sure. To be fair to Rambo, if drones or if the, the helicopter with a thermal camera would help much. It's like, yeah, they know where he is. What are they going to do about it? Well, here's the thing, though, is that the one person who dies in this doesn't doesn't die. He's not a an accidental manslaughter cop killer. With drones is, I guess, what my point is. So, what, the, what do you mean? Well, because the guy falls off oh, the helicopter, he wouldn't be there to have been killed. You're right, saying. he wouldn't have been there to have been killed. So that, that's true. That, that and that I, changes the calculus of this chase a lot because yeah. now he's a cop killer. Right. And yeah, that's that's true. So, so okay. So you, you said the one person to die. I was going to ask you later, so I'll just ask you now. So the three guys in the car who Rambo runs off the road. You're not counting him as body them as bodies. So there is an explosion, of course. Right. Uh, I was going to let you give the official ruling. I wasn't sure, but I, I, don't, I don't think those guys died. I was on the fence, and yeah, if you don't think they did die, then I will, I'll let you break that tie. Because actually, right. well, I, I counted them only because David Morrell, he had a commentary on the Blu-ray, and he, he counted those guys. Oh. He's like, Rambo only kills the one guy. The only, he says, it's only four people die as the guy in the helicopter oh, and well. the three guys. All right. But he didn't make the movie. He wrote the book. And, you know. What does he that's, know? Yeah, it's just his opinion. I, I, I also don't think those three guys die. So. I don't think they do. Well, I'll take them off the body count when we're done. All right. Uh, no, but you're, I didn't think about that. You're right. That there would, the police would be in far less danger. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and that's something that probably would change things. What, uh, what else you got on technology? The last thing I want to say, and this is kind of, I want to make my one comment on Rambo 5, because my fear is, because that's going to be a Rambo set in the modern day. At 70 years old? Yeah. I think it's 71. Man. So I think he can pull it off. Stallone's in great shape. All right. Go go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, We'll see. I I have no idea what that movie's going to be. Well, here's the thing. I I, I think if if First Blood was made today, and I am worried that they're going to do something like this in Rambo 5, there would be such a temptation by the filmmakers to create a subplot about how people are reacting to Rambo on social media. Oh, you just stole my last one. Okay, well, let's talk about it. All right, so it's not... And my goal is not to steal. I'm not, this not isn't a competition. You, you, you uh, let me go first. So. Now, what I didn't realize is I didn't realize that scene at the beginning was bolted on and not in the book. Okay. Uh, but to me, so what I understood was that the reason he's up here in this area, right, is he's drifting around trying to find his buddy. Buddy's died. If this was made today, he would have already known. It would have been Facebook, whatever. He would have known, <laughs> stayed up, and he never would have been in this area. No movie is ever made because he never goes up there. Well, that's a good point, and I think there's a larger point to that of the idea of a drifter isn't a thing. It's like <laughs> someone who is just disconnected from everything. I mean, I guess you have homeless still, not to imply that like everybody is yeah, connected all the time. It's like, yeah. But, yeah, I don't know if really drifters... Does, I was going to say, does that exist today? Yeah, not really. I mean, people certainly don't hitchhike anymore. No. I think that was something that was driving a lot of that. Like, I'm just going to travel the country and stick my thumb out. It's like nobody, nobody does that anymore. So, no. Well, in Hawaii, we, it actually still has happened we, when we were there uh, recently. We didn't pick anybody up, but people still do hitchhike in Hawaii. Seriously? Yeah. Was it? The islands are small, and you know a lot of people know each other. But yeah, whatever. I would not have guessed that. Uh, so why don't you finish your point though on what how the people's reaction might you know ruin kind of the the next Rambo? Well, because I think so much of this movie, I, th- I think you really hit on something early in this conversation about like the movie is focusing on Rambo as an individual, and it's not 
it's it's drained a lot of the politics out of it. Isn't it? He's not supposed to represent anything larger than himself. But I think in a modern day, the temptation to be like have a whole subplot to be like. Rambo is fighting against, he represents the, the little man and he's going to fight against the establishment and destroy, you know, whatever, this, some notion of uh, anti-establishment figure. And my fear, I have no idea what Rambo 5 is about, but if it's anything like First Blood, which I think they might, I think they might try and come bring it back to something more like the original. If it's the kind of thing where he's like blowing up police stations and then Oh God! Just, I'm getting sick just thinking of it. It's just like he becomes some kind of like social media folk hero. Like, yeah, he's fighting for all of us, you know. And just in the Trump era, I don't want to like put too fine a point on it, but like, I really worry about something like that of just people arguing about like, no, he's a horrible, he's anti-American, he won't, right. you know, whatever. I I really hope they don't. I'm smiling because you're probably on some. That's probably what it'll want. I'm be really on. worried. That's it what I don't think it'll be the primary plot, but I. I bet that's a subplot in it. I'm more worried about Rambo five than I, this is not that valuable of a franchise. What do you care? Even if it is a disaster, I like the Rambo movies for what they are. I don't like Rambo two, which is the one that everyone likes. I like three out of the four Rambo movies. So I I don't love the franchise. It's not like my favorite thing, but most of them I like, I just would hate for this. I man, we're talking about making a Rambo movie in the modern day. What would it be like? God, I don't want it to be about Trump. Because my, that's my worry. Why are they making a Rambo movie now? Because, you know, this movie's pretty apolitical, but as the series goes on, he stopped, it stops being just about Rambo, and Rambo becomes the deliberate symbol of things. Does, and I just don't know what they're going to do with it. Is it like boxing in Russia? <laughs> in the that's, Cold War? That's your one. <laughs> I'll, let, I'll let you one per episode. <laughs> I, I need to make a jiggle for this. Mike references Rocky for. <laughs> I'm just asking. You said it was political. Does he end the Cold War? Does does Rambo end the Cold oh, War? In one of the sequels? Yeah. No. Oh. <laughs> He's not as cool as Rocky. <laughs> He's not as cool as that, Rocky. I will at agree all. with the movies. <laughs> That's why I like the Rocky movies better, I guess. Rocky is way more impressive than Rambo. Rocky can end the Cold War. <laughs> That's right, just by being a boxer. Rambo kills a lot of people, but no, he doesn't have much of a political impact, I don't think. Apparently not. Wait till we get to Rambo three. All right. Uh, that's mostly what that movie's about. But it's, you're not too far off, but it's not quite. It's not, not so quite. stupid. Um, anyway, are we done with this technology? We show? are. It's time for the little details. All right. That cardboard headstone tipped over. The, this graveyard is obviously phony. This is a ramshackle episode for some reason. I don't know what's going on today. So this is where we get into the absolute minutia and tear things apart, which I don't have a ton on this. Um, no, I mean, this tends to be the nitpicking segment, but I don't have a lot of nitpicks. This is a pretty solid movie in yeah. terms of my, my, my picks are not nit. They're large picks. Okay. They're, they're macro picks. I don't like the, the whole mind sequence. I don't like those Keystone Cop uh, National Guard oh, guys. Yeah, I had a whole thing on them. Well, go for it. I mean, we, we could talk about... There's definitely some, some things we have not talked about much yet in terms of... I really love the sequence where he breaks out of the police station. It's a good action sequence. From the beginning when they bring him in. Like, I think the whole thing is really tense up until he breaks out, and then it's a really exciting action sequence in the chase and everything. It is. The one other moment, now that we're talking about it out loud here, I can remember there's an unintentional comedic moment. Maybe it's intentional, but for me, when the... And I should know that actor's name. The one cop is trying to get his fingerprints. Oh, I, I don't know his name, but I will tell you that he's in Twin Peaks playing my least favorite character. <laughs> okay. I, was, I was just writing down Hank from Twin Peaks. Okay. And then I have, like, constant... Every time he came up, you're like, oh, Hank sucks. <laughs> 
Twin Peaks is so good, and Hank is such a terrible character. Hank from Twin Peaks, I hate him. Okay, um, it's something. The his performance and delivery it reminds me of getting like a three year old to do something they don't want to do. <laughs> yeah, I know. What you, mean. Exi- you, you know, you've got to roll your thumb. I actually did smile at that. I, yeah, it's, it's for me. It's him. It's Rambo wiping the ink off of his fingers <laughs> and not paying attention to any of them. Yeah, you're right. That is that and is. Then that that Hank, Hank from Twin Peaks grabs the paper. No, you need to leave the ink on there. His name is Chris Mulkey. I found, okay. I found my note. Uh, there was something about that. It did. It reminded me of I. I don't even know what. Like getting a three year old trying to get them to cut their food or something, and they refuse to, and they're like throwing it back at you. Yeah, that is what it reminded me of, and it did make me smile. Yeah, I don't know if we're supposed to read that that's intentionally I don't think so. Rambo being petulant or if he's just kind of out of it or just not I don't know, but aware of his surroundings or something. Uh, I think I, that is intentionally funny. You're right though. I'll give the movie credit there. There's right. one laugh. I did. So I wanted to highlight, did you notice the irony of that Greyhound bus that's just bombing past Rambo on the highway as he's walking into town? It's like, man, if he just hopped on a little Greyhound, this movie doesn't exist either. I mean, he obviously doesn't have much money, so I don't know if he could afford a Greyhound bus ticket, but I can't imagine that cost that much. Who knows? Uh, But you're right. You know what? I didn't think of you saying that makes me realize something, which is who's on that Greyhound bus? Is there a stop in Hope? Uh, Washington, and if so, is Teasel just going through that bus like, you're not allowed off, you're not allowed <laughs> off, we don't like people like you in our town. Turn right back around. <laughs> you're not eating a Dairy Queen, get out of here. No, I got the, from from the speed it was going, I got the viewpoint that that thing was going right past Hope Washington. It's not stopping? No. That, town, that road goes right through the middle of the town, though. It's not like it's passing the town. That's true. So who knows? All right. Um, let's talk about the maiming sequence. For, for whatever reason, it's called the maiming sequence by Rambo fans. Okay. So, you know, when he's taking them out one by one. I have such mixed feelings about it because there are moments in that sequence that are incredible. That shot of Rambo coming out of the dirt, totally camouflaged. Oh, getting Car- Caruso. And getting great. Caruso. The shot lingers for 15 seconds. We're just watching David Caruso creep through the forest. You can't see Rambo there at all, and he's on camera the whole time. Yeah. I rewound it, and I'm like, there's Stallone. I can see his head. I can see his arm. The first time you watch it, you cannot see him at all. It's no. really effective. They could have totally cheated that. They could have had Stallone pop up from under the frame. Ha I got you. <laughs> no, he's on camera the whole shot. I love that, that, that shot. Yeah, and I actually, I don't hate Caruso either. He's pretty believable because he's screaming out for Will. And that's what I love. They're all calling Will. At some point, if I were Will, I'm like, I'm out of here. Yeah. Yeah. Abandon ship. I don't care if I'm the commanding officer. Yeah, Dave Caruso definitely has a, a rough time. He's the, he's the only nice guy in this uh, He's force. the only nice guy, and he's the only rational guy, too. He keeps trying to tell him, I don't know about this. <laughs> I mean, we really shouldn't push him. And he just gets jammed immediately. Gets the first it. one that gets it. Yeah, he gets it first. That's the worst part. Yes. If, if, if only he had been, like, fourth or fifth, he could have rallied him. Like, let's get out of here. Yes. I told you. But no, he, he, gets, he gets it first. And maybe that's the reason the, the filmmakers did it, is that, yes, because of you said he's been the voice of reason the whole time and if one or two guys get stabbed they might actually listen to the voice of reason right david caruso is good he's a good actor i think he gets a lot of eh, he, he is he he gets no i think he made some terrible career choices he certainly did but <laughs> and i think he took some terrible roles i still think he's a pretty good actor. he just kind of like degenerated into not caring you know what movie Have I you really seen like? Jade. I've never seen Jade. I know it's it's notorious oh, and bad. I, I, it's so awful. I, I've heard I've heard the tale of Jade. Um, now you know what movie I really like him in is Hudson Hawk, and he never speaks. He's actually speaking of Rambo never speaking. He doesn't speak in that movie, and he's great. 
<laughs> Mike's making a face. Okay. <laughs> that I'm, I'm praising Hudson Hawk. Yes, and you've done this before. Yeah, Hudson Hawk is a good movie. No, it's not. Okay. We'll have to sit down and watch it sometime, and I'll, All pro- right. I'll prove it to you. Fine. David Caruso is good in Hudson Hawk. He's good in this. I like how innocent he is. He's like the total opposite of what David Caruso became. That is that is absolutely spot on. And that's that's what's really nice about it. It's like, oh, wow, David Caruso was a young, was, fresh-faced man at some point <laughs> before everything turned <laughs> NYPD blue. Um, okay, but then moving on in that, that maiming sequence, the, the beginning of that is incredible. Yeah. Rambo jumping up. Then... <laughs> We cut to uh, Hank from Twin Peaks, and Rambo jumps down off of a tree onto Hank from Twin Peaks. You don't see what happens. Apparently, he's hurt pretty bad. That I don't mind. Then you get another guy creeping through the woods, and he goes, there's Rambo. And Rambo's just standing there like an idiot. The guy shoots. Rambo literally dodges a bullet, and another guy gets shot. He's like, ah, you shot me. You know the part I'm talking about? Yes. Rambo dodges a bullet. It's one thing that really drives me crazy. It's like, oh, this movie is so close to being great. And there's a moment like that. Rambo just like, ha ha, I tricked you into shooting your own guy. It's like, what? That's How is that? It doesn't fit with the tone of the movie. But no. I, I also don't buy the Rube Goldberg machine that he's set up. I guess it's not Rube Goldberg. but Oh, that I like. The little tiger uh, trap that he yeah, created. Yeah, no, I don't like spikes. that at all. How does he have time for that? You see him carving the spikes. There's a lot of spikes on there, man. There's no way he had enough time. No, but they had time. I believe it in, in Predator when it's a team of guys and they are building it to try and capture the Predator. I do not buy it at all in this. It's a pretty simple trap. It's just a stick with a bunch of, a bunch of spikes and then some kind of spring. Who knows where he got that spring or how he, you know, created enough pressure to force that thing into the guy's leg. You're not going to convince me for a minute. He had time to build that. No, he had a lot of time, right? Because that's after uh, Galt, who is the guy who falls out of the helicopter. That's after he dies. Yes. Right? So Rambo has time to get away while they're getting the body back to base camp. Then isn't there the whole sequence after? What's the sequence of events? Rambo accidentally kills the guy in the helicopter. He tries to give up. Um, They shoot him. They shoot him. Actually, I, I... freeze-framed, froze-frame. I don't know what the past tense of freeze-frame is. Freeze-framed, I guess. I freeze-framed it. I was surprised to learn that uh, Teasel was the one who shot first. For really? some reason, that was surprising to me. I didn't think he shot at all. No, I didn't think so. Because then he starts going, cease fire, cease fire. That's why I thought he didn't shoot at all. He shot first. I, I, I was speculating. It was a question, but whatever. So he's like Han Solo. He fired first. He, he shot first. Well, I was speculating that he, was, he fired a warring shot, and then everybody else was like, he's shooting. <laughs> you know. it's, uh, it's open season. Right, but then Rambo runs away. He's got to sew himself up. Yep. They go down, and they get the body. They call in the helicopter. They get the body out. Then don't, they, don't all the cops fly back to base camp, and that's where they introduce Troutman. No. The, really? cop, the cops go out on their own and get eaten alive, and then the state police have to come in. The How local- do they get back, though? I'm trying to remember the sequence of events now, because I, I, like, I feel like Rambo because- had time to create. There's a shot where you see oh, him no, there's forging. Oh, no, there's a shot. He has some time, but not nearly enough. Okay. So let's just leave it at that. He's John Rambo. <laughs> no. I didn't yeah, buy not, that. Not in this movie. But if you won't buy that, but wait till you see the things that are coming up in the next couple of movies. If you won't buy this, you're never going <laughs> to buy anything in Rambo. Uh, I'm, I'll be honest, I am not looking forward to the Rambo movies. I don't blame you, but anyway, uh, keep your mind open. I actually, I'm, I'm hoping I like Rambo two more than I usually have in the past. <laughs> all right. I've only watched it once or twice. I bought all four on Blu-ray. Once we started to do this, it's like, well, I like most of the Rambo movies and I bought them on Blu-ray. So I'll be interested to see how I feel about Rambo two. It starts out strong. I think it ends pretty weak in terms of the, the maiming sequence, if that's what it's called. Oh, I, I agree that the best part is the beginning um, although, I don't know, him him putting the knife to Teasel's throat is pretty good. Stop pushing it. I'll give you the yeah. war, a war you won't believe. 
No, that's, that, that's a great that, point. That, that, I guess you're right. It does end well, but that th- those two, the two maimings or whatever it is in the interim, not so much. Well, presumably three. We don't know what happened to Hank from Twin Peaks, but I think he, he also just, he's, is. He's concussed. Uh, that's what that's what happened to him. Does he come back later? I don't think he ever you ever see him again. I think it's implied that he's hurt pretty bad. There's a couple of guys on stretchers, so yeah. I mean, there's a couple of guys near the end of the movie. You see them in the PD. They got like, like bandages, bandages up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think you ever see Hank from Twin Peaks again. I think you're right. I've already forgotten that guy's name. He's Hank from Twin Peaks always. All right, Hank sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me. If you ever watch Twin Peaks, keep an eye out for Hank. He's terrible. So I uh, I wanted to note on that National Guard, I love it that they give him, first of all, they follow no orders whatsoever. They are given explicit instructions that they've got him cornered in his mind. Do not engage. Wait until sheriff. They do not follow any orders. Right. Then they give Rambo an ultimatum. Come out. You've got 30 seconds. But they immediately start firing on him. Doesn't he start firing first? No. Oh, no? He, they start firing, and then he opens back up. You're right. You're so right. Now not, I'm thinking about they it. They don't follow orders, and then they don't even follow their own orders. Yeah. I and mean, this movie is very deliberately not kind to the National Guard for whatever reason. Who knows why? But oh, i got to get back to the pharmacy on Monday. That, I have that, too. That's fantastic. But the leader is a, like a pharmacist. I, right. I didn't even think he was the pharmacist. I bet you he's just like a cashier. Probably, yeah. I mean, this, this is stuff that these guys do to get their jollies, basically. It's, it was what this movie implies. These so are just guys who are out. It's basically paintball of them, you know? Yeah. Just, Except for with a rocket launcher, which you get right. Bullseye. Bullseye. That guy's face is hilarious. Very 70s mustache. Yes. It wasn't with the times yet. It was still the, the end of the 70s, 1982. Yeah. Speaking of mustaches, I like Rambo's mustache in the flashbacks. That like, weird paper-thin oh. mustache that he's got. <laughs> It's very 70s. Like, that's like, okay, Vietnam happened in the 70s with that massive See? mustache. This mustache establishes it was the 1970s. <laughs> I wonder if that's why. Like, <laughs> let's give him a mustache. It was the 70s. Can, uh, so I also noted, for a pretty small town, right, we're, we're going to establish that this is, this is like a, a one-horse town. There's not a lot going on. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of police on that police force. Yeah, there's at least seven or eight of them, right? Yeah, that, that's too many. Plus the dog guy. They call him the dog man. So the dog guy, he survives too, right? Oh, yeah. What, and, and do we count the dogs? Because all three of those dogs, they did not survive. Well, one is definitely killed. It seems like two kind of disappeared, but... Uh, They're dead. Probably. Those, they those, never come back. Yeah, they don't come back and those, that... Yeah, the, I think it's reasonable to assume the dogs were killed, but we yeah. don't count dogs for body counts, so... Right. But yeah, I think... Well, I mean... We definitely regretted not keeping track of animal violence when we were doing Arnold, so maybe we should keep track of animal <laughs> violence. For... That was how many punches, right? It wasn't kills. It yeah, was not a lot of kills. He killed a couple animals. Conan bit the hell out of that vulture, remember that? Yes, he So did. he killed that vulture. There's at least one animal death on Arnold <laughs> movies. I forgot about that. Yeah, that, that vulture got it way worse than these dogs got it. <laughs> Uh, what else do you have on uh, the little details? Uh, I want to talk about the music by Jerry Goldsmith. I sometimes forget to talk about music, especially when I really want to. I love the score to this movie. It is very good. The theme to Rambo, it's funny because in my mind, all I can hear is the awful song that happens at the end of this movie because it's written in this, it's the same melody. <laughs> what? <laughs> We're making a face. I, want, I have it in here that it continues the theme of just terrible songs at the end of Stallone movies. It's kind of hilariously bad, though. Whoever, I, whoever this guy is, I used to think this was Frank Stallone. I was getting ready to for my Frank Stallone <laughs> button, and I looked, and I was like, oh, wait, that's not Frank Stallone? I could have sworn it was. I forget the guy's name who sings this. But it's the same melody, so in my head, whenever I hear the, the Rambo, I almost did it. I almost did it. I caught oh. myself. <laughs> <laughs> whenever I hear the Rambo music in my head... 
all I hear is, it's a long road, <laughs> and you're on your own. That song is terrible. But I forget how great the orchestral version of that song, which is amazing. It's such a good theme, and it's ruined by that song, because that's the last impression you get of that song. It's what you're left at the end. Has there been a Stallone movie that has had good music over uh, the credits? Like pop music? Like a song? Just and Yeah. Honestly, I think they've all been terrible. Mm. The Elton John song in Rocky Five is very good. I like that song. <laughs> well, we haven't gotten there no, yet. No, we haven't gotten there so yet. So far, but... they've all been awful. Demolition Man, terrible. The Specialist, terrible. This was terrible. Yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> Maybe this should be a theme. Like We'll have to rank. This will be, this will be a uh, season wrap-up thing. Rank the terrible songs. Oh. Uh, I mean, honestly, and it just it doesn't fit with the feel of that ending. It's weird because I'm so used to it that it, I, I associate this song with Rambo. When I think of Rambo, I think of this song, and that's not helping Rambo. Maybe that's why I'm not a Rambo fan. But I wanted to talk about the score, and that's why I, the score has been so corrupted in my mind by that song. But, man, when Rambo bursts out of the police station and just... It's, like, it's a perfect theme song for Rambo because it's kind of mournful and sad. You know, it's got, like, this, the trumpet... It's kind of like a bugle in a way. It, kind of, yeah. it evokes, you know, military bugles. And it can be played very sadly and very kind of, you know. Somber. It's, sure. it's a heavy song, and yet it somehow can also be very triumphant. When he crashes the truck through the roadblock, it does it again. Da, 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 da. It's almost like a Superman theme. A little bit. When, it, when it's really played at full blast. And it's the same melody. And it's, like, it's an amazing achievement, I think, by Jerry Goldsmith to be like, the exact same notes played different ways with different orchestration Two totally different emotions you're feeling. It's so good. This is a great score. Score is great. That end song, awful. (laughs) What are you talking about? Is anybody winning? Also, that guy can't hit the high notes. I'm doing it about just as well as him. You are. So terrible. It's a bad song. I I enjoy how bad it is. I have a certain ironic appreciation of this song. It's a long road. So I, I, we already noted it a little bit, but I did want to note that I just, it, it would have been outside the feeling of a pretty serious movie, but I would have loved, after he blew up that gas station, just out of spite, he went down to the Dairy Queen and ordered himself some <laughs> sort of ice cream. That would have been good. You're right. I, I, ironically, been, I think that's a good idea. It, but yeah, but it would have been out. I mean, that's, that's a little bit meta. It, no. I mean, it doesn't. Well, no, I, the, I, I think if you have the scene, create a scene at the beginning of the movie where he goes in the diner, Teasel kicks him out. Then at the end, I'm having my burger. <laughs> exactly. You know, I'll show you. Have the whole ending scene with Troutman in that burger place. Have him be eating a burger. You know, yeah. I've gotten. He just did it for a burger. It's like uh, remember Payback, the Mel Gibson yeah. movie, where it's like everyone. He's like killing all these people for like eight grand, and everyone's like, "How much money?" It's like I just want eight grand. It's like eight grand. My shoes are worth more than that. <laughs> it's like that. He just wanted his burger. He just yeah. wanted his lunch. Just somebody just give this guy some lunch. Right. <laughs> yeah, I actually think that would have worked. Like I. I we're describing it in kind of a joking way, but it's like it's the principle of the thing. Right. It's like he, yeah, he destroyed the town because they wouldn't <laughs> let him eat his lunch. And really, it kind of it kind of does illustrate what his whole issue was of just like they were pushing me. He said it. If they'd have let me have this why burger you, earlier, why are you pushing me? Right. It's a legitimate question. No, too. I think I I, I, don't, I think you were joking, but I actually love that idea. All right. Let him go to the Dairy Queen. <laughs> 
Uh, anything else on the little details? I want to talk about this news reporter guy who, who gives a report at, at base camp. That he believes that, that police training saved them? Mm-hmm. What a joke. Uh, yep, exactly. It, it's, that's probably also trying to be funny. I don't know if it's necessarily like laugh out loud funny, but uh, I just wrote down, fake news is invented. Because, <laughs> man, that's just... What is that reporter... Is, does that reporter have like a brother-in-law in the in the police force? Why is he covering for them? Why does he feel the need to justify their failure? I know why. Why his brother-in-law is Hank from Twin oh, maybe. Peaks, who sucks. <laughs> maybe uh, did Hank have a? I don't think he had any family in Twin Peaks. <laughs> I, I Can I ask you this? Is it the actor or just the character who sucks? Both. Oh. Both. <laughs> Okay. Whatever, I, don't, I maybe shouldn't pick on this actor. It's, uh, you it's, you it, already did. I would have to... It, it's because, let me put it this way, Twin Peaks, the first two seasons, you know, the original seasons of Twin Peaks, is partially a spoof of soap operas. Okay. And his story is the most soap opera in a way that isn't really... Sometimes it's hilarious in Twin Peaks where it's like, okay, they're, they're really laying into soap operas in a way that's kind of hilarious. But his stuff is just a soap opera and it's terrible. Okay. So it's probably not his fault. You should watch Twin Peaks. I, I keep saying it. I, I've got it. I've got it on the list. It's uh, if there's one thing I'm the biggest fan of right now, it's like I might it might be the top of my fandom list. It has been for a while too. Yeah, I, I really really enjoyed Twin Peaks. Anyway, all right. Enough about Twin Peaks. What else do you have? That's little all. Details. That's all I've really got on the little details. A few of the other ones we kind of already covered. So okay, one thing we never covered that I think we need to touch on is Troutman's introduction, which I love. When uh, first of all, I love the guy. So so Teasel and the the state police guy are kind of arguing, and there's a guy like patching up Teasel. I love. He's just like, uh, "Do you want me to leave?" <laughs> he's got like the, he's got like this weird froggy voice. Just like, uh, no, finish up what you're doing there. <laughs> exactly. Then Teasel just has a line of dialogue that only exists to set up Troutman. Troutman is kind of a one liner machine in this movie. Like, yeah. They're not necessarily like Arnold zingers, zingers, but yeah, man, he's got so many one liners. And so Teasel's just like, "Why would God ever create a man like Rambo? God didn't create Rambo. Cut to Trotman. I did. I did. He's standing silhouetted in the tent entrance, like backlit. Like it's such a great introduction. Hello, Homer. This is God Free Jones from TV's Rock Bottom. I mean, it's like that that sets up. I am God. <laughs> well, I love how inappropriately proud Troutman is. <laughs> he's just like, he's lucky that you, he didn't kill all of you. Right. He's so proud of Rambo still. And Actually, Rambo slipped up. He should have. Yeah. Basically, he's saying, my machine should have killed you he all. He should have killed you. That's what Troutman's saying. It's like, yes. you know, Rambo made a mistake by not murdering all of you. <laughs> like, he didn't follow my yeah, training. The diplomat, Sam Troutman. <laughs> I don't know if you get his first name in this movie. His name is Sam Troutman. I'm not sure if you learn it. I don't think so you that, do. I that think might be a later movie. I though. think it's only Troutman. Yeah, I think you're right. That might be in the book. Because he's, he's Uncle Sam. That's like He represents Uncle Sam. So he's, of course. He's Sam Troutman. No, but the other, the other big line from Troutman where it's like, Teasel's like, are you telling me that my 200 men against uh, uh, Rambo, man. that's a no-win situation? If you bring that many men, you're going to need a lot. You're going to need one thing. What's that? Go ahead. You're body bags. No, a good supply of oh, body bags. Good supply, yes. It's the most artificial moment in this movie in terms of the dialogue. It's like, boy, they really. It seems like that was for the trailer. They navigated through a maze of dialogue to get to that <laughs> moment. I don't care. I think it's like great. It's such a great line of dialogue. You bring that many men, you're going to need one thing a good supply of body bags. <laughs> You're right. That, I bet that wasn't the trailer. Oh, it must have been. I that that feels like it. I we talked <laughs> about it. Right? Here's what it'll be in the trailer: a good supply of body bags. <laughs> <laughs> Cut to Rambo shooting out the, the town. Yeah, yeah, for sure. 
All right. Sorry, what were you going to say? I cut you off. Nothing. I just that we've we've discussed previously how there's just certain lines when you watch it, you're like, oh, that had to have been for the trailer. But do you think if they deliberately wrote it just to put it in the trailer, or it was just like, oh, we made the movie, and this move this line obviously has to go into the trailer. There's sometimes, man, I really think no, this was written for the trailer. They could have just had a narrator do it. That was back in the day when all of the trailers had uh, narrators. Rambo, he fought in Vietnam. Now he's back. And he and and one small town is in trouble. <laughs> I'm just doing Kramer in that episode of Seinfeld now. No, but that's basically. <laughs> I gotta get over that mountain. <laughs> you know, but they, 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 mountain high. But they could have had the narrator say that line instead yeah. of actually putting it in the movie. If the police are going after Rambo, they only need one thing: a good <laughs> supply of body bags. Uh, so that's along. Richard Crenna in first blood. First blood. <laughs> Probably in bullets, right? <laughs> right, bullets go across the logo. I think the logo does have bullets across it. I'm not sure. <laughs> All right, it's uh, time to move on to Devil's Advocate. All right, let's do it. I want to ask you a bunch of questions, and I want to have them answered immediately. Oh, before, sorry, I should have saw this before I hit this button, but uh, one last little detail, since we were talking about, like, labyrinthine, we're working through a maze of, of, of dialogue to get to a one-liner. There's another one that I really was disappointed by that I thought could have been better. All right. I, just, I don't want to forget it. It's, it's Teasel. Remember, he goes, we found Rambo's body. As a matter of fact, it stole an army truck and blew up a gas station on the other side of town. That's so close to being a great line. It just has, like... Too much. 50% too many words. Yeah, it's I rewrote it, so that's why I had to stop. It's like, I, I improved this line of dialogue oh. in the movie. Here's the line with the line should have been. We found Rambo's body. It drove right into town and blew up a gas station. Yeah, that's way Set up punchline. You don't, you don't want it. Why is he talking so much? Anyway, I, I wanted to mention that line because I do kind of like it, even though it's just like, boy, they really botched that line, but whatever. Okay, questions, yes. Yeah, so I'll, this is where we come up with different scenarios in the movie that we've either sarcastically or legitimately try and answer questions and open, open items that we had yes. in the movie. We ask these other questions and try to answer them. So. Yeah, so you want to fire away? Uh, yeah, my first question is about that chase. Uh, Rambo gets away on a motorcycle. Teasel chases him into the woods. Yep. First of all, flips his car, which it was a mistake. I don't know if you're aware of that. No, I didn't know that. They pulled a running man. They accidentally flipped the car, and it's like, well, we got to use it. We can't get this car to the river. <laughs> so oh, what's funny is I thought about it. I'm like, that's pretty reckless in terms of... You know, yeah. but whatever. It was a different time too, so I'm not sure how much. <laughs> I wouldn't have been surprised if they just like let's just drive this car into the river. Why not? <laughs> exactly. No, but the funny part is they made a mistake. They accidentally flipped that car, and then it's like, well, we got to put Brian Dennehy into this flipped over car now. Is it safe? We don't know. Just get in, get out quick. We'll film you getting out of this car. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Um, but my question is: immediately after Teasel flips his car, Rambo still got his bike. Why doesn't he turn the other way? Well, that's a good question. I because he backtrack basically. He's going up an incline and he kind of loses control of the bike and he just yeah. ditches it. Do you think he ditched it intentionally or did he just fall off? Oh, uh, so was I, that intentional? Is my question. No, I do not think it was intentional. I think that the incline or it hit a rock and he lost it. But why? Why he doesn't? It's not that far away. Why he doesn't go back to just get it and then backtrack is what I didn't understand. Right. I think maybe it just fell all the way down in the mountain. I mean, it's a pretty steep mountain they're driving up. It's just like, you know, it it's is, like cliffs and things. Maybe he just fell off a cliff and he couldn't get to it. No, it's not that you can still see it in the shot. It's not that far away from him. That's what I don't understand. It doesn't fall that far away. Why he doesn't oh. just go and try and recover it and yeah, take right. back off with it is what I didn't get. Yeah, but, so maybe that's why I thought it was intentional. I'm just like, my, my best bet to get away from these guys is to go up an incline that no vehicle can get up, not even this bike. Yeah, maybe. And maybe that's his way to like make sure they can't follow him in, in their own motorcycles or who knows, like... Yeah, it read as intentional to me when I was watching it. It's really? Like, okay, it looks like he's doing that on purpose, but I'm, I wasn't 
No, sure. I didn't think I, I did not see that at all. So, all right. All right so I got a question for you. Uh, so Dennehy Teasel says, yeah, we, we don't want your kind around here. We don't, you know, we don't want uh, it's something along the lines like that, you know, a bunch of drifters, you know, coming through this town. So here's my question. If they're drifters in 1982, do they have a way of communicating with one another? Is he really concerned that <laughs> like somehow Stallone that, is going to say, oh, this is the place to go. This place is very welcoming to drifters. That's that social media. Uh, well, thing maybe today, but not in 1982. Well, wait, actually they do have a way to communicate with each other. What's all that? What's that like uh drifter code like you'd scratch a thing on a fence and like different oh. things would mean different things this one means hostile and this one means this person will give like you food. from the 1920s and 1930s you <laughs> yeah. think that's still was the hobo code or whatever the whole, you think the hobo code still existed maybe maybe it did all right i don't know much about uh, i mean i well I'll put it this way in 1972 i would believe that maybe that hobo code was on its last legs but like yeah, 82 probably not yeah i don't think certainly not it's gonna like attract Right. Other drifters. No, to, they're to, drifters by design, right? Don't they just meander in and out? Maybe he just thinks that if another drifter comes into town, they'll see Rambo and be like, oh, he stopped. I guess I'll stop. Like, maybe that's the idea. Maybe. I think, I think Teasel should have just let Rambo head on down to the Dairy Queen. All problems are solved. Well, that's, uh, to bring it back to kind of one of the earliest conversations we had, like, it's, I think one of those things that doesn't make much sense in 82 and the way that it does in 72. It's like, in 72, he just doesn't want this hippie long hair yeah. in town, or in 82, it's like, yeah, his motivations don't make a lot of sense. I mean, it's BS, right? His justification of just like, I don't want more drifters in town, like, that's nonsense. I think it's supposed to be nonsense. It's a justification. It's not actually why he doesn't it, want to ramble it around. Pro- it probably is. But the, the fact that he says, you know, that there could be more, more coming around, that, that, that's very flimsy, Sheriff, because I don't know how any drifters would know yeah. to show up in your town. It is flimsy. I, I, I think the movie is depicting it as flimsy, I think is, is all I'm saying. All right. I, I agree with you, but it's like, I think the movie is saying, like, this guy, it's a small town. He's the sheriff. He basically gets to do what he wants, and he's going to come up with whatever yeah, I look, justification he, trumped up charges right yeah, yeah. i told i that i i get so right well what does he end up charging with a vagrant vagrancy <laughs> yeah uh resisting Resist. arrests and, and a concealed weapon right yes for, for, the, for the for the knife yeah i learned doing research uh that knife is a knife that they used to give to paratroopers in case they got, got oh, to uh, cut, cut the uh their shoot yeah it's like the serrated edges to cut through the to shoot in case they get caught up. Got it. It was interesting. Like, I, I wouldn't have guessed that. No, I wouldn't have either. Of all of the different services to have that giant knife, like, yeah, the Air Force would be the last one I would expect. But, yeah, yeah. It, it makes sense once you think about it. It's like, yeah, of course. They need something to cut themselves loose. Uh, yeah, but paratroopers are not the Air Force. It's the Army. Oh, yeah, I guess so. You're right. Yeah. Uh, what else have you got? Uh, okay. So, Galt of the guy who gets killed who falls out of the helicopter he, yep. he falls rambo goes and checks his body one of the best moments in the movie acting wise stallone when he sees galt's body and just you can see the horrors in his eyes so good never talked really talked about like all his flashbacks but I, I love the fact that early in the movie you see all the flashbacks and by the time you get to that moment he grabs galt's body you don't see the flashbacks anymore you just know yeah it's like we as the audience know he's having a flashback you know the music does part of the job there but stallone does most of the job like he looks haunted anyway Takes Galt's walkie-talkie, takes Galt's gun, takes Galt's jacket. It is obviously freezing out there. It looks cold and damp and miserable. Why doesn't Rambo put on this guy's jacket? He well, takes the jacket. Because he needs to go find a tarp and cut <laughs> well, that tarp this, up. This is after he found the tarp. That's another thing I learned is uh, Stallone improvised that because he was so cold. 
It really? was like freezing cold, and he's only in a tank top, and he's just like, I'm putting this tarp on. Rambo, <laughs> Rambo's putting this tarp on. I need something more to wear for the rest of this movie. I know the character Rambo really well. Rambo would put this tarp on. <laughs> on the commentary, he said, like, he just didn't want to be so cold, but then it was just a tarp lying on the ground. It wasn't like a piece of prop, and it was just filthy. It was just like, a, it was just happened to be lying there. You know, it, who knows how long it would be lying there? It was just right. left on this, mine, on this uh, mountain. Yeah. And he said he still has it hanging in his house. It's the ones I kept that I put in my house. It's, hang, it's hanging on my wall. That's outstanding. Which I found very funny. Uh, why he doesn't put on the jacket, there is no logical explanation why he would not put on that jacket. I don't think it's a size thing. And that guy was pretty heavy, so it's like, I don't know if too big is fine. It's not like that guy's too is, small I was for saying, Too big is way better than too small. And Stallone is actually not that jacked in this movie in terms no. of like what you think of as Rambo. Like he's in great shape. He's in Rocky Three shape, and actually in Rocky Three, I think he deliberately lost weight and he slimmed way down. He's obviously very muscular, but like he he slimmed down because he wanted to look smaller than Mister T. It's not really a spoiler, but you know, <laughs> you've seen that movie. Yeah, but uh, so yeah, he's actually pretty slim in this movie. He's not Rambo, Rambo. So it's like he should fit in that. Big oh, guy's jacket, a yeah, a big heavy set guy. Uh, uh, all right, so for next one, I have. Could the military really not find Troutman at Fort Bragg? Because Rambo says he comes looking for him. Do you do you think he's like on a covert op or something? I was wondering about that, and I think that's one of the reasons why I'm suspicious of Troutman. Oh, I don't think Troutman. I think Troutman was at Bragg, and just, I don't want to talk to that guy. That guy's <laughs> that guy's wacko. That guy's bad news. Yeah. No, really. I, I, I think that's what's implied there. If like, really? I think Ram, Rambo, Ram, doesn't Rambo say he tried to reach out to him multiple times? You know, he tried to reach out to you a couple times at Bragg, and they said you weren't ever around. I don't remember it being multiple, but I know he Maybe said he not. went there, and they, they couldn't find him, which is why I'm like, what? Did he go there, or did he call? I thought he called. I thought he went to Fort Bragg. Maybe. But it, it might not be clear. Yeah, because that's when they're talking over the radio. Yes. I don't have the disc in, otherwise. I'd be curious to check to see what exactly is said. But either way, I, I interpret that as... Troutman doesn't want anything to do with Rambo, and he's just here to clean up the mess. You See, know, I don't think he really has Rambo's best interests at heart. I took it in that the military knew where Troutman was, but they couldn't tell anybody where Troutman was because <laughs> he was up to no good somewhere. You think he's on some kind of secret op somewhere? Yeah, that's what I think. He's a commander, though. He's, you think he's out in the field? He commanded Rambo and his crew, and he was out in the field. Well, he was in Vietnam, but he wasn't like in on the oh, battlefield, maybe, I would presume. Maybe he was in Grenada. Who knows where he might have been? <laughs> well, actually... I'm going to remember you said this, because actually, that's a pretty prescient thing to say. That's awesome. <laughs> of course. Not, not Grenada in particular, but uh, just your speculation about Troutman. All right. I'll probably forget, but I'm going to try and remember that you said that. All right. But um, no, I, I interpret that as he was there and just didn't want to talk to Rambo. <laughs> I'm not here. <laughs> okay. You got any more questions for I guess me? I, I'm, maybe I'm unfairly suspicious of Troutman. Uh, based on the, I agree with you. Based on the performance, you are not supposed to get a read. If he is friend or foe. Here's all I'll say. As we go on through this series, I would like to get your perspective on what you think Troutman's deal is. Because I think I'm in the minority as compared to other Rambo fans. I think Ram- most Rambo fans are like, yeah, Colonel Troutman, he's Rambo's buddy. It's like, well, I'm not sure that's true. <laughs> but, okay. Um, as we go on, we'll have to talk about that some more. I, well, I got one more. Just that This will be my last one. All right. And it sounds like it was in the book, so there may be an explanation. But I just was that kid and his dad were they part of the National Guard? Are they part of the police? What are they? Or are they just hunters that happen to be there? I haven't gotten to that part in the book yet. I just happened to know that he killed him because that was on one of the commentaries. Okay, I think Stallone said that. Oh yeah, in the book, Rambo kills this kid. Um, there is a section in the book that I have gotten to since it's set in Kentucky, where Rambo comes across a couple of moonshiners. <laughs> well, <laughs> also in the book, he escapes totally buck naked, and the whole chase of the motorcycle. He's naked. 
So he comes across these moonshiners. Why is he buck naked in... Because they were hosing him down. And oh, he, that's, that's, that's when he, he escapes. Well, okay, all right. Yeah, I obviously couldn't do that in this movie. Um, I mean, I could have, I guess. They yeah, could have edited you know, right. judiciously. Yeah. But um, anyway, so yeah, he comes across a couple of moonshiners, and he's basically like, police are coming after me. I'm a fugitive. Uh, if you give me clothes and, uh, and some food and a gun. You need your clothes, your boots, your <laughs> basically, motorcycle. He basically, like, it's, it's like this tense situation where Rambo's basically like, all right, if you don't help me, they're going to come right for your moonshine operation. He just stumbles across these people. Yeah. Like, but if you give me food and some clothes and I'll a lead gun, them away I'll lead whatever. them away. Yeah. And so they do. Okay. Because they're moonshiners and they don't, they're, they're against the law too. They're like, we don't care what you did. If the police don't like you, then we like you. It's basically right. the thing. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. Yeah, basically. So uh, why did I bring that up, though? Oh, because that's, that's a scene that's kind of similar where Rambo is actually friendly with them. But it's, it's to serve his own means. You know, he's freezing to death and he needs some clothes, basically. All right. Well, that's all I've got for questions. Okay, my last question, and I think that's appropriate to end on. All right. When Troutman comes in at the end, Rambo shoots uh, Teasel through the, the roof. Yep. Well, come, yeah, he's below, but yes. Teasel's up on the roof and he shoots the ceiling. the ceiling. Yeah, yeah, whatever, however you want to phrase it. Teasel falls through. Rambo seemingly is about to kill Teasel when Troutman comes in. Rambo, Rambo, stop. Don't do it. Do you think he would have killed Teasel? Ooh. If Troutman had not come in and stopped him? My answer is yes. I think he would have. I agree. Yeah. Because that's the one thing. He's trying not to kill people, but. No, but Teasel's the one. I mean, he's who set all of this in motion and he pushed him and pushed him. Right. And yeah, so I, I think he probably would have. Arguably, he's the reason that Rambo came back to town. Because it's like, if Rambo just wanted to be left alone, he would have driven away. He wouldn't have come back to Yeah, because he could have disappeared, exactly, because right. he had effectively escaped the mine. People assume, They assumed he was dead until he hijacked that truck with that, with that poor guy. <laughs> we found his body. He drove him. He blew up the gas station, et cetera. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I think he would have yeah, smoked Diesel. I think so, too. I think this movie would have still worked, and I think we still would have been sympathetic to Rambo. Even if he was killing people after that whole maiming sequence, he, you know that sequence he's trying not to kill them. He, you know, injures a bunch of them, and he tells Teasel, "Leave me alone. I'll give you a war you won't believe." Teasel continues to press. Right at push. that point, I think if Rambo started killing them, I think the audience would still be on his side. I think so. I mean, I think they could have pushed it a little farther. I know he, Sloan didn't want to depict a veteran in that light. So yeah. I get it, but I think they could have gotten away. with No, it. I, I think it fits with the tone that. He outlined, I can do this. I'm choosing not to. Right. Don't push me anymore. I don't think you lose the audience if this is the way he wants it. So he gets it. I don't think anybody you know, feels, any, it feels badly, even though it's law enforcement. Right. Well, in some degree, it makes Rambo seem a little weak where he's not backing up what he said. He says, if you keep pushing, I will start killing you. And then he doesn't do it. But I think he does intend to kill Teasel. Oh, end, absolutely. So I think yeah. that, that's, that's probably true. So that's, that's, I agree with you, and that was my last question. So. All right. So now it's uh, time for your, you to take us away here with the Silk Cozart Internet Research Memorial. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> the Silk Cozart Memorial Internet Research Rabbit Hole. Rabbit Hole. That's slash corner. Thank you. So that's fine. <laughs> it's not the easiest thing to, to remember. This is the segment where I go into some deep dive about some tangential piece of internet research relating to the movie. Named in memory of actor Silk Cozart's character from Eraser. Yes. Rest in peace, that guy. <laughs> that rail gun. <laughs> right. Rambo could have really used a rail gun. That's true. He could have x-rayed through all the trees or whatever. <laughs> that 
too. Yes, I forgot about the X-ray yeah. scope. Yeah. <laughs> That's a perfect thing to bring up. Compare Eraser to Rambo. Oh, it's the first blood in terms of tone. <laughs> yes. This movie is so serious compared to something like that. All right, so... I wanted to learn more about the troubled production history of First Blood. So this all isn't right. all that tangential this time. It's actually about the movie, my research. Because, you know, the book was optioned in 72, didn't actually get made until 82. There were 26 different screenplays. It went through three different studios, multiple, multiple directors. And I wanted to learn more. For a long time, I, I was researching. I could not find much. I found a lot of, like, things you didn't know about Rambo. And it was like, had a troubled production history. 10 years and 26 screenplays. Very basic stuff like that. So then I finally stumbled across American Film Institute. Thank goodness for the American Film Institute. They had a detailed rundown of the production history of First Blood, and I kind of enjoyed reading through this, so hopefully this is interesting. I'll try to summarize some parts. I also, anytime there was a director or producer reference, I looked up their credits to see who they were if I didn't recognize them. So, okay. Here's, here's American Film Institute's write-up on First Blood. This is so much more comprehensive. The American Film Institute, I wouldn't <laughs> think they up. would have right. a, a... This is a long write-up. I won't read the whole thing. Okay. According to a comprehensive article in the October 27th, 1985 LA Times, writer David Morell's 1972 novel First Blood garnered immediate attention in Hollywood and went through a long development history before arriving, arriving on screen in 1982. One of the major stumbling blocks in the development process was the book's ending, in which the character John Rambo dies. By the way, his name is not John in the book. This thing oh. at American Film Institute is wrong. He doesn't have a first name. He's just called Rambo. Okay. The movie named him John. So take that, American Film Institute. I know something you don't. So here's the actual production history. In 1972, Columbia Pictures purchased the rights for $75,000, and Richard Brooks, and he's an old-timey director. He directed In Cold Blood, the Truman Capote adaptation. Yeah. okay. Um, Richard Brooks was set to write and direct. An item on the July 23rd, 1972 New York Times reported that Brooks envisioned the story as a tale of two veterans, one from World War II and one from Vietnam. So that sounds like Teasel's aged up quite a bit in yeah. that version. Uh, according to the article, Brooks never completed the script, but planned to have Sheriff Teasel put down his gun and approach the unarmed Rambo, at which point an unknown assailant shoots Rambo. <laughs> Interesting. I actually thought that was a terrible idea, but then the more I thought about it, the more I actually thought it might work really well in terms of like the tragedy of this fallen hero just being gunned down. It's almost like a Night of the Living Dead ending. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen Night of the Living Dead, but yeah. it's, it's, it sounded interesting. Okay. Brooks wanted Lee Marvin or Burt Lancaster to play the sheriff, and he wanted Betty Davis to play a psychiatrist. What? <laughs> that, that was another thing. I was like, what? Okay. That sounds very old-fashioned. I mean, oh. Betty Davis, obviously, but like, just the idea of having a psychiatrist. You know she would have been Rambo's psychiatrist. He sought treatment with me for two years. Let me tell you all of his inner thoughts. I'm going to explain to the groups <laughs> in the audience what he is thinking. You know that's what it would have been. Yes. So, uh, you know, that just seems very old-fashioned. Okay. When the production did not work out at Columbia, John Calley purchased the rights for Warner Brothers. So he's a producer. He mostly is known for Remains of the Day. He also was one of the producers on The Da Vinci Code. He also co-produced Ice Station Zebra, which is a really fun submarine movie that gets referenced all the time in Better Call Saul. Yeah. Purchased the rights for Warner Brothers for $125,000 in 1973. Robert De Niro and Clint Eastwood were considered for the project. Wow. I could see that. 73 De Niro would have been pretty good as Rambo. I actually think that would have been pretty interesting. Uh, anyway, as reported on the August 10th, 1973 Hollywood Reporter, Walter Newman wrote a script and Martin Ritt came aboard to produce and direct. Martin Ritt, I didn't know his name, but he directed The Spy Who Came In From The Cold, which is awesome. I've never seen that. It's good. I've read the book and I've seen the movie, and the movie is a great adaptation. It's really, really good. Okay. I would definitely recommend it. Oh, and Walter Newman co-wrote Ace in the Hole, which is another one of my favorites. That's like 51. 
very old-fashioned, but I, you would actually love Ace in the Hole. You should okay. see Ace in the Hole. So Rit wanted Robert Mitchum to play the sheriff and Paul Newman to play Rambo. That I'm not into. Ooh, I like Paul Newman, but no. No, not, not as Rambo. No. I, I can't see that at all. Early 75, Sidney Pollock considered the project and thought of Steve McQueen as Rambo and Burt Lancaster as the sheriff. I like Sidney Pollock, but I don't want Steve McQueen as Rambo. You know Steve McQueen only just wanted to jump that motorcycle over that fence. That's, all, <laughs> that's the only reason why he was interested. <laughs> Rambo drives that motorcycle over a fence. It's like, that's all Steve McQueen wanted to do. He would have done that for free. You don't need to make a movie. Just say, hey, Steve McQueen, just buy a fence and a motorcycle and jump it. I need to be in every movie where a guy jumps a fence on a motorcycle. <laughs> anyway, uh, blah, blah, blah. Martin Bergman developed the project in 1975 with Al Pacino as Rambo. <laughs> Literally every 70s actor. I was going to say, they just had to go down the list. What do you think of Al Pacino as Rambo? Uh, no. Uh, Pacino <laughs> fan, no. I, I think De Niro would work. I don't think Pacino would have worked. No. He's too... Like wiry and flighty back then, like he, yeah. he's not a soldier. No, I mean he's played soldiers. You know, he played Scarface, I guess, which is supposedly and a tough guy. Michael Corleone was yeah. a soldier, but well, no. you don't really see it, though. Do you, you don't see it, right? No, yeah. he's finished with his service. He's got his uniform on at the beginning, and that's yeah. it. Um, okay, David Rabe was hired to write a screenplay, and his script eliminated the character of Colonel Troutman and focused on the relationship between Teasel and Rambo. Um, that guy didn't do much. He he later wrote the firm, co-wrote the firm, oh. but not much else. Uh, Al Pacino turned the script down, deciding it was too extreme. Then Mike Nichols considered doing this script. Uh, Mike Nichols, as we all know, famous for directing The Day of the Dolphin. I don't know that. No, it's, you shouldn't. I was oh. joking. <laughs> he directed The Graduate. That's what he's known for. Yeah. I love The Day of the Dolphin. It's a stupid movie. I have a poster <laughs> up right there. Okay. <laughs> Go look at that poster. I will. By the way, I'm not a huge Graduate fan. Okay. I'm not either, actually. But it's, it's like Michael Nichols is a famous director for The Graduate. I, I was trying to make a joke of just like, I Here, here's his most obscure, stupid thing that I like. <laughs> Dave, okay. Dave the Dolphin. The tagline is he... God, what is the tagline? I love the tagline so much. I need to make sure I get it exactly right because it's so hilarious. Oh, unwitt- unwittingly, he trained a dolphin to assassinate the President of the United States. <laughs> That's the tagline of the movie. It's, it's, the word unwittingly is what's funny to me. Unwittingly, he trained a <laughs> How do you a do dolphin. that? Watch the movie. You'll find out. All right. It's actually, a, a, kind of a decent movie with a preposterous premise. Uh, okay. 1977, William Sackheim co-wrote a screenplay with Michael Kozel. This is the screenplay that eventually that would become the real movie. Initially hoped that John Badham would direct. John Badham directed Saturday Night Fever, and then later he did War Games and Short Circuit. So, pretty good director. <laughs> pretty good, but Johnny Five. <laughs> I mean, Saturday Night Fever is not my cup of tea, but it's a good movie. And War Games is actually... War Games I, is a good I, movie. That's a very en- underrated movie. Yeah, I still enjoy War Games. Yeah, it's legitimately really good. He wanted John Travolta as Rambo and George C. Scott as Troutman. <laughs> oh, please. <laughs> I would love George C. Scott as Troutman. That would be good. And also, he wanted either Gene Hackman or Charles Dunning as Teasel. Gene Hackman would have been great as Teasel. Yeah, I think Charles Dunning would have been good, too. He's good, too. I can't think of Charles Dunning as anything other than the villain in the Muppet movie, so I can't take him all that seriously. <laughs> ah, frog legs! Kermit, I'm going to turn you into frog legs! What the hell? I forget that movie. <laughs> the plot in that movie doesn't matter. Uh, okay, where was I? That project did not come together. Uh, script moved forward with producer Carton DeHaven one year later for Warner Brothers. Film's ending was changed, and da-da-da. John Frankenheimer was going to direct... John Frankenheimer, who did The Manchurian Candidate. Also, French Connection 2, which is underrated. French Connection 2, very good. Brad Davis was cast as Rambo. I wasn't I don't know who that is. He was in Midnight Express. Also, he was in Chariots of Fire. I've seen Chariots of Fire, but it's like 10 guys. They're all anonymous. I don't know. And then uh, Powers Booth, Michael Douglas, and Nick Nolte were considered as Rambo. Wow. We're in the like, 
15 actors who were considered for Rambo. Yeah. I, I, I think Nick Nolte would have been interesting. It would have been interesting. Late yeah. 70s Nick Nolte. Like North Dallas 40 Nick Nolte as yeah. Rambo. I think that would completely work. Michael Douglas, no. Who, who, what was the other Powers one? Booth. I like Powers Booth, but no. Yeah, I don't know. Young Powers Booth may have been able to pull it off, but maybe not. There's a report that George C. Scott was cast. Doesn't say it was which, which role. And then finally, Warner Brothers decided enough of this, sold it to Carolco, who was the company who actually uh, made the movie. Carolco also made Total Recall. They made Terminator 2. Yep. We've, we've seen them a couple of times already. Yeah, and bankruptcy is what ultimately was their demise. Yes, from Cutthroat Island. We talked about it on some prior episode. <laughs> I was probably, I'm sure it was t- Total Recall. <laughs> probably. I'm sure what it was. Yeah, we'll see them a couple more times. They did God. They did Rambo 2 and 3. And Cutthroat then, Island. <laughs> yeah, I've never actually seen Cutthroat cut Island. I haven't either, but... I'm sure it's terrible. Uh, and then they hired Sylvester Stallone to write the scripts, and then that's basically where the movie that ends up. That is so. development hell. Some of those versions sound interesting. Like, I, I think this is a good movie. The the Frankenheimer one, I think, would be interesting. The one with the De Niro as Rambo, I think De Niro would have killed it as Rambo. I think he would have been so good. The question is, though, then, if it got me, what year was it? Was it mid-70s? De Niro, De Niro, De Niro one was pretty early, like 73. Yeah, so the question is, does the Deer Hunter get made? Because I don't remember. The, that's later in 70s. 73 would have been... That's what I'm saying. Mean but, Streets, right? That's, yeah, but that's that. And uh, Taxi Driver is, I think, uh, it's the Iraqi, so seventy six, six. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying is that, oh, because he had already made a Vietnam movie, right? he wouldn't have done Deer Hunter. I'm not Maybe. sure he would have done it. That's a good point. I mean, he had, working with Scorsese, he did similar roles, right? I mean, there's not a huge difference. I mean, there's a difference, but his role in Casino and role in Goodfellas. It's at least a similar theme. Was his character in Taxi Driver a Vietnam vet? I feel like he was. Yeah. yeah. No, Travis Pickle was. Yeah. So, all right, maybe he would have. But yeah. He doesn't strike me as much of a careerist. Like, I don't think he's the type of actor who's like, what's going to be best for my career? It's like, I'll bet yeah. if he read Deer Hunter, it's like, and I, I, like I don't script, care. He would have just done it. I already played Rambo, but whatever, I'll do this. See, the thing is, if they made First Blood in the 70s, they probably would have stuck with the Rambo being killed ending. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a very 70s movie sort of a thing to do. Like, happy endings. Who wants that? Every movie in the 70s has a downer ending. Basically. I mean, Travis Bickle doesn't die, but the a- ending of Taxi Driver isn't all that. Oh, that, that, that makes it worse. That's why that ending is awful, is because Travis Bickle is lauded as the hero. Right. That's the most haunting thing in that movie to me. You know, that's why I have a hard time watching it. It's just like, oh, no. <laughs> oh. <laughs> People think he's a hero. Oh, God. It's one of those movies that I have a hard time being openly a fan of because you know, I know you're not one of these people, but I know, you know that there are people out there who watch Taxi Driver and be like, yeah, Travis Bickle, he's the guy. I want to be that guy. <laughs> I mean, seriously, that's what's, no. that's what's scary about that movie to me and why I have a hard time watching it. It's, I, it's, I, can, I can see your point on that and no, just for the record, I, I don't think that. I know you don't. I'm, uh, I, I said that so that the listeners would know yeah, that, no, I, you know. I, Travis Pickle. He, he, I know you love that movie, but Travis Pickle's yeah. a monster. I mean, yeah, he's, a, he's he's a tragic figure, without a doubt. Yeah, and that, but that people, some people have watched the movie. That's the whole point of that movie is people. You know, at the end, he's the hero, and that's what's so terrible. <laughs> but yeah, seventies movies all have downer endings or just like horrible things happening at the end. So I'm sure Rambo would have died, so we wouldn't have gotten all the sequels except Stay Hungry. Well, I don't even remember how. <laughs> I guess he gets the gym at the end. He yes. ends up the owner of the gym. <laughs> the owner of the gym. From Thor? Not Thor. What yes, it? it was Thor. No, it was not Thor. We keep thinking it was Thor. It wasn't Sven. Was it Sven? Maybe it was Thor. You're right. It was no, Thor. No, it was Thor. We, okay. we were confusing it with Sven. No, yeah, you're right. See? Names. I may as well have called him Rocky. You know, Rocky's gym. When Arnold took, the, <laughs> took over Rocky's gym. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Yeah, so now what we're really here for, and this, I, I'll be honest, I can't believe 
that First Blood has one death. I'm surprised that's not information that made its way to you. Like I said, like the bits of movie trivia, just uh-huh. like, oh, did you know that there's not a lot of Rambo doesn't kill anyone intentionally? And I mean, I've seen it. I, again, I didn't remember it at all. Because I think in my mind I have it, the other Rambos that I haven't seen where he's just John Matrix. Yeah. And, and that's definitely true. That information made it to you. <laughs> the fact that he murders you, hundreds of people you, in the other Rambo you know why? You know why? Because I know somewhat of Hot Shots is a little bit based on Rambo, and that's what I have in my head is yeah. Hot Shots, which, by the way, I still love both Hot Shots movies. Sure. But that's specifically spoofing Rambo 2. That's why Rambo 2 was the big cultural... Icon. It's why even uh, UHF uh, spoofs it. Remember <laughs> the, the oh, part man, in UHF? I haven't thought about that movie in forever. Yeah, there's a Rambo spoof in UHF, but it's all about Rambo 2. Every time there's a parody of Rambo, it's never First Blood. It's always Rambo 2. Because that's the movie that was... UHF. By the way, I, I am a huge Weird Al fan, by the way. Yeah, I know you music. Are. Yeah, so uh, I haven't thought about UHF in probably like 15 years. <laughs> well, I mean, there would be some justification for watching UHF, given that there's a Rambo parody. I think after we do uh, Rambo 2... <laughs> Let's do a bonus episode. I'm serious. Let's do a bonus UHF? episode on UHF. I would do that. Because there's a Rambo parody in it. I, I think that's, that's enough. It's a flimsy enough reason to, to do an episode on it. I'm, t- I'm totally on board. We've done worse. We did Jingle All the Way 2. <laughs> we can do UHF. God. All, right. All right. So what, is the, what does this bring the totals to? So yeah, we're comparing Schwarzenegger's uh, body count to Stallone's, who we've already covered. Stallone, or, is, uh, Stallone's numbers are falling rapidly. They are. Schwarzenegger had an average body count of 14.76 when it was all said and done. This movie, as he said, uh, Stallone had the one... I, I'm giving him the kill, even though it was not intentional. Yeah, no. He's responsible for it. He threw the rock, so... Yeah, I'd say so. Okay. Oh, you said no for a second. I was like, wait, no, you know? No, absolutely. I, I, I actually think he's... It's, it was unintentional, but he is responsible. Let me put it this way. Stallone's numbers are dropping so fast, he might need this one, because I think by the end of the season, he may be below... Wow. Arnold's. 14.7. Well, yeah, I can, yes. Well, I mean, all we have left, the two categories we have, we have left. Silly Stallone. <laughs> silly Stallone and voiceovers. I mean, I guess if a cartoon character kills somebody, we gotta count it, but it's like, <laughs> you think his character in Ants is murdering people? I'm curious to see. I don't know what you're picking yet, so, but, but so yeah, so one, one body, I'm gonna give it to him. I do think he'll need it. Uh, that brings Stallone's total body count to 210 across 13 movies, which gives him an average of 16.15 down from 17.42 from last episode. So continuing to drop and drop and drop. But from what it sounds like, until we get to the next Rambo movie and it's going to ramp right back up. I, I said at the beginning, and I still believe it, I think if, if Stallone's going to beat Arnold on the body count per movie, it's all going to be Rambo. He needs Rambo. because so, he, he has very few movies where he kills people. I think that's probably a deliberate choice on, yeah, it might be. on Sly's part. I, it seems like he makes movies where he tries not to kill a lot of evil. With the exception of Rambo. So he doesn't have to you know, be like Arnold in Last Action Hero that we only kill right. so many people in this movie. Right. He was 56. Well, but that's, that's what Rambo... I mean, Rambo, it's so ridiculous. Also, the Expendables. We already covered those. So that's why he had such a head start is because the Expendables. But yeah. he's really going to need to rely on, I think, in particular, Rambo 2 and Rambo 4. All right. I don't know if three is that high a body count. I shouldn't be saying these things. But You'll know better than me. All right. So Wrecking Crew Award. This was easy. It's yeah. John Rambo. Yeah, and this is the segment where we decide who wrecked most shop, physically or emotionally. There's a part of me that wants to give it to Troutman because he's technically responsible for creating Rambo, and like indirectly he's... Yeah. But it's Rambo. 
No, and well, I, I said, how can we not give the give the wrecking crew award to Rambo who wrecks you. everything in this movie? My note here is the award may as well be named for him. <laughs> yeah, it's the Rambo award or, or John Matrix. One of the two of them should get the award named after them. So <laughs> I'd be willing to change the segment to the Rambo award, and then just every time we do a Rambo movie, it's like, well, we're obligated to go with the Rambo. <laughs> we have no choice. It's John Rambo. Here, I, from what it sounds like, the other movies, it's going to be John Rambo no, anyway. I'm thinking through the Rambo movies. I can't imagine anybody else. Nobody even attempts to upstage Rambo. It's not like the specialist where it's like, oh, this other guy is upstaging me. No, Rambo is center stage. He's the only one who even is allowed to kill anybody, it seems like, in this movie. It's just like, he's going to win this award every Rambo. So we can change the name to the Rambo Award. We almost need... No, because... I, I, I think we named this because as I was editing, I would just hear us saying this a lot. Like, this guy is a wrecking crew. It's like, yeah. this is just a thing that we say. No, and also because the plan is is to potentially one day move on past... Stallone and do another, so I would like the Wrecking Crew Award to be out there that it's... Okay, fair enough. Yeah, it's a... It's very optimistic that you think we'll get that far, but hey, we made it this far, I guess. As I said, you could have named it easily for John Matrix as well, had we been doing it back then, because John Matrix is very much a Wrecking Crew unto himself. But no no question, it's Rambo. I mean, also Stallone is giving an incredible performance, so he deserves it for that alone. Yeah, I agree. All right, so now the the important uh, last bit of business here, our Rocky rating, which is where we use the Rocky opponents to rate uh, rate the movie. That's From right. Apollo Creed down to Spider Rico. All right, let's do it. Hey, hey, what the hell are you doing? You're punching car accident victims. No, 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 you don't understand. He was bad enough in my film. I don't think we're going to agree on this one. Probably not. I am right on the fence here, but I, I'm going to give this an Apollo Creed. I, really? I, I wow. think this is a really, really effective and just really taut and tense action movie, despite the lack of any humor, despite some of the flaws and you know it's there are sequences that are unnecessary but they're still very propulsive and i I don't lose interest even though i don't particularly like the the mind sequence i don't like the keystone cops i don't like there are certain certain individual moments that i don't think work but i still watch this movie and i'm glued to the set you know i I think it's a really 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 good action movie so the performances did a lot for me i uh i gave this one a clubber lang and so the performances carry a lot in this all right the plot is just for me it was too thin to go all the way to the top and say that this is you know an apollo creed at least for me um but if we i can tell you this based on what we've watched so far it, it's a tough one to top in terms of the performances of multiple people within the movie. I mean, I know Rocky's got some strong performances, uh, particularly from uh, Carl Weathers and, and Stallone. So, uh, but I'd put it right there because I think these performances are right up there. No, I would agree with you. I, think, I don't think there's any Rocky movie that has performances as good as this movie. Speaking as a giant Rocky fan. You know, really? I, Not even I, the first one? Well, because I don't think he has to dig so deep. Like, to play Rambo, he's re- Stallone's really, really got to dig deep into his psyche in a way that he never has to do with Ram- Rocky. I almost did the reverse that time. I almost called Rocky Rambo. <laughs> I've caught myself both You've, times. You made your you I made, made it all the way through. through. Well, but we're not done yet, but I think, I think, I think I'm saved. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, Rocky is a... It's not the kind of character that is going to, you know, cause an actor to be tortured. It's like that's the kind of thing where you have to really decompress or whatever after playing yeah, it. Really, you know. like learn something about yourself and dig deep. And I think all all of these performances, well, Rambo and Teasel are performances where you really have to get emotional. I, I do like how Brian Dennehy, who we, I don't think we talked about enough, and I think I mean you you praised all their performances, and I think rightfully so. The one thing I really like about Dennehy's performance 
is that he breaks down and cries a couple of times. Yeah. Once from fear, after uh, Rambo puts a knife to his throat, and yes. then Rambo disappears into the woods, and he just breaks down and cries. It's like... Very That's a real f- moment. Yeah, and very few actors, I think, would be willing to do that. Especially a guy like Brian Dennehy, who's playing the sheriff. And yeah, kind of like, tough guy. Yeah, I mean, this kind of a movie is like mano a mano, it's two men are facing off, and it's like the willingness to do that. And also when Galt dies, he's like, he was my friend, and you know, like he gets very emotional about Galt's death. Really, really good, and I don't know if a lot of actors would have gone there. That's probably fair. You know, I'm just like, ah, it's this action movie. I'm just, you know, I'm just the villain and I'm just here to be shot at by Rambo. It's like, <laughs> I think a lot of actors would have approached it that way. And Brian Dennehy really goes for it. And I think he's, he's really good. But uh, what are we talking about? We're, what segment are we in even? <laughs> why, why are we talking about this? Uh, I feel like I had some, I was going somewhere and I do this all the time. I, I forget where I'm we going. We are finishing up with the Rocky rating. I'm lost why. in the woods. I don't know. <laughs> the police are after me and I don't know where I'm going with my point. <laughs> <laughs> the police are after me. Okay, so you gave it a clever. I'll, I'll take a clever Lang. I think that's for. Oh yeah, I wasn't. I mean, I wasn't going to say that this was a middle of the road movie. It, it's certainly not a bad movie. It's not a fun bad movie. Uh, but it's lack of humor and a little bit flimsy plot. I just I can't give it the highest ratings. I'm looking forward to R- Rambo three now. Oh god. <laughs> Because I'm dreading these movies. It has some attempts at humor that I'm curious. To, it's it's the one that tries to be the most humorous. Is it something along the lines of war? It's fantastic. <laughs> no, that's just the subtext of the movie. <laughs> All right, let's move on. It's, it's uh, yeah. pick the next movie. It is so your pick. pick the next movie. As uh, I alluded to, we've got two more to go categories we haven't covered this season before our next Rocky movie. I know you're going to leave me with the voiceovers. I know you're going to do it. Well, you are incorrect, oh, my friend. Wow. I, am, I thought I was going to be stuck with it. No, I... <laughs> I, I when, we, when we drew up these categories, I thought for sure that voiceover category is going to be the last one picked every time. So, well, <laughs> thank you for proving me wrong. I, I'm pleasantly surprised. That, yeah. Uh, I, here, you know, one of the reasons why is that so many of the Arnold seasons, we were always ending before a Terminator on just something none of neither one of us wanted to do and was bad. And I'm like, you know what? No. Silly Stallone, I think there's enough like fun kind of mixed in there that it won't necessarily be a serious movie or one with a high body count, but probably some fun stuff. Mm-hmm. So that said, I'm like, all right, I'll just, I'll, I'll <laughs> take the, uh, wow, you're jumping on the grenade. Yeah. The voiceover I'll fall grenade. On it. So I, I decided to go with that and uh, I'm going to try and redeem myself since I foolishly, when we led this uh, podcast off, <sighs> reference <laughs> ratchet and Clark. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I decided to go with ratchet and clank is what we're going to do. All right. Based on a video game that you're not familiar with, clearly, because you didn't, you called Don't it know the video Clark. <laughs> I literally know nothing about it, but I looked at the voiceover work and I didn't want to spend the money for whatever that uh, Larry the Cable guy, the zookeeper. No, it's not Larry the Cable guy. Who is it? No, it's uh, Kevin James. Kevin James. Okay, whatever. <laughs> Kevin James is a step up from Larry the Cable guy, even though I was defending Larry the Cable guy. On- it's not a very tall step if it's a step <laughs> up, my <laughs> friend. Yeah, well, well, I guess we'll see when we get there. Uh, so I've, no. seen, I've enjoyed Kevin James occasionally in things. Not, I've never I've never watched a Kevin Paul James movie. Paul Blart? I've never watched a Kevin James movie. I've never seen a movie where he was the star. I've never Have seen ever, Paul Blart. I've never seen The Zookeeper. Have you ever seen The King of Queens? Uh, I saw a couple episodes here and there. Not good. Anyway, I know nothing about it. I don't even know who stars in it. I don't know if Stallone is one of the main characters in Ratchet and yeah. Clank. I know nothing <laughs> about this. I don't know either. So I, I, that episode's probably going to be a disaster for us. Based on where he was in the cast list, it seemed per, it seemed enough. It was like, he was like third or fourth, I think, on the uh, cast list, if I remember correctly. So I don't so think he's probably he, got enough time that 
we, it's it's not like he's got three lines in the movie. Yeah, I don't think he's Ratchet and or Clank, but uh, I think he's probably some <laughs> supporting. Can I ask you, have you played the game? Do you at least know anything about it? I've never played the games. I'm familiar with them. I know of them. I think one of them is there's like a building involved where you like build vehicles and fly them around or drive really? them around or something. Yeah, I, I, They're beloved. I, I know nothing about them. So. The, yeah, those are not the kind of games I tend to play, especially now. These days I play basically one game, and that's Stellaris. It's like it's a game where you build a star empire. Any kind of game that uses a controller, I'm I don't play it anymore. Yeah. I haven't played a game that uses a controller in like three or four years. Wow! And even when I did, not Ratchet and Clank. I, <laughs> I, I wouldn't have guessed that. So it's like a Mario kind of a thing. I, I, I was going to ask, is it like Sonic? Is my guess? Yeah, like yeah. That. It's probably more like Sonic than like Mario. Mario has some class to it, <laughs> unlike Sonic. <laughs> Man, a shot across the bow of Sega. You obviously have not played many Sonic games in the last twenty years. <laughs> Sonic games are terrible now. I don't know if you're aware. They're, they're just as bad as Hank from Twin Peaks. They're, they suck. Oh, jeez. They do. Everyone agrees. This is not an argument. That's a sharp elbow off the top rope. I think, actually, they just recently made a Sonic game that wasn't terrible, but I've not played any of the new Sonic games. Well, the last memory of Sonic I have is his reference in The Simpsons of the Bone Storm. Just <laughs> take it, take it, take it, take it, take it. That's all I remember. How's that game going to help your putting? Lee Caravello. So yeah, so we're going with Ratchet and Clank. I'd like to say I'm looking forward to it, but I'm not really. It's just to check it off the list. <laughs> I could not have predicted this. I'm sorry that you had to just hold your nose and pick Ratchet and Clank. But. So let me, if you had, so there are eight potential outcomes right now for Silly Stallone and voiceover. Would this have been eight on your list if you had to guess? No, Zookeeper would be eight on the list, okay. but I think this would be seven on the list. All right. Well, <laughs> near the bottom. All right. Because I don't think Ratchet and Clank is even particularly story-driven games. I, I don't think I, why yeah. a movie was made then is beyond me. Yeah, it's such a strange thing. That in the cast alone, I don't know. Maybe his kids just liked the game. It's like, oh, hey, Dad! It's like the Raul Julia thing of just like he did Street Fighter because his kids liked the game and he wanted to impress. Do his something kids. for the kids. Yeah, all right. So maybe that's why Stallone's in this. Who knows? But Ratchet so, and Clank. Ratchet right. and, <laughs> just saying that. Tune in next time, please. Please, we beg you to listen to us talk about Ratchet and Clank. Uh, we'll be back with Ratchet and Clank. You didn't want to do a spiel about the Twitter? Oh, crap. It's a long road when you're on your own. And it hurts when they tear your dreams apart.